are rolling. All right, we got we got Cal Deeds back in the house. And I mean, in in fuck well, not rare form. Brooker and I will soon be rare form as we are. I'm I'm pounding down in honor of Cal. McAllen and and Cal, just so you know, I never drink. I'm really? drinking McAllen 18. Yeah, dude. Dude, nice. I'm I'm yeah, I and, and I've been like that my whole life. I didn't get drunk until I turned 21. I've been good. Yeah, I've been I've been a cunt my whole life. Uh, Brooker, what wh- what are you drinking? I got a bit of Mount Gay from Barbados, Bayesian rum. So nice. Happy days, yeah. Well versed man. Um, <laughs> I'll tell you what. Not drink till 21. Like, I don't remember the year I was 21. I'll be honest. With you. <laughs> 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 Holy shit. That's pretty good, Mike. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and throughout college, I mean, I could count on both hands how many times I've been drunk in, right. in college. Yeah, like, because yeah. I, 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 was, I was playing sports and stuff. But mm-hmm. then after college, after my divorce, once I got single, bro, I was, I was going out. I was drinking and I was crushing. I was doing yeah. a pretty good job of it. I got I got pretty drunk pretty regularly for a little bit. It was fun. Yeah, yeah. It's you know what? It's uh, sometimes it's like your your way out, right? A little bit. Just let's not make it an issue, you know. So, oh, I, I'll tell you what. I was I was having I love cider, so that's one of the reasons why I, I started drinking scotch. I yeah. forced myself to like scotch because I like you know I'm 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 such a pussy when I drink. Like I'm I like the sweetest drinks. I like cider. Like I like like blowjob shots, right? So I was like, right. "Fuck, I, I I drink like a pussy. I need to." I forced myself to like scotch, <laughs> but I was drinking like four to six ciders a day out on my deck in the sun, mm-hmm. not thinking anything of it. And then I went to I went to a wedding, and I started drinking, and before I knew it, I had twenty drinks and I was fine. I was like, "Oh fuck." Maybe I have to stop drinking. I didn't, I didn't realize I had, I guess I have a problem. I don't know, but I just cut drinking out altogether right after that. And I've been, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm pretty clean cut since then. Or have 10 and add a Vicodin or something like that. (laughs) 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 Then you're good, man. (laughs) No, I I don't recommend that from anybody, but me. (laughs) (laughs) that's that's your sleeping cocktail right well well it's a little bit more mix of that but it's different but uh, no that's just my that's just my be normal cocktail so that's a monday night yeah it's tuesdays <laughs> so. Oh, <shit. laughs> so so you said you wanted to go over something right before we started what was it oh i got a few things new stuff um you know what i have a what i call I call actually a couple things. The one thing that I really have have jumped on was, uh, and it's it's like a neurological skill development skill development drill. I call it the Go Drill, and you can find it on my YouTube page, and I'll and I'll describe it here. But I, I got it from uh, if you look at a drill, if you just search Infinity Walks, like Never Ending Walks, and really it's your mar- you're walking in a figure eight, right? And this is this was developed by uh, Dr. Sundbeck out of Buffalo, New York. She she was I think she's a psychiatrist or an MD or a PhD, one of the three, if not all of them. I don't know. And here's the deal: she had behavioral children that she was dealing with, to my understanding. And a friend of mine's talked to her. Dan Fichter was like, and uh, what happens is you walk in a figure eight. Right. But then you find a spot, let's say if you're looking to figure eight, you're, it's off to your left 
and you stay focused on that spot. And what happens is, as you're walking that figure eight, you watch that one spot and you're, and you, as you turn, you keep turning, you're shifting from right brain to left brain. So it's activating the right brain and then it activates the left. And those brain, what I think happens is there's a synchronization to the right and left hemisphericity of the brain. Okay. Does that make sense? And that's it right there. So you're watching, right? So uh, if people are watching this video or via, um, you know, maybe on a, a place where they can't watch, that's what we're talking about. So I had added those like, and, and Mike, what I did was I added those in core training. So let's say you're doing a suitcase carry, right? These, I would do the suitcase carry why we were doing that. Okay. That's was our, our one arm suitcase carry, whatever. And, uh, then over a number of, uh, things that have, that progressed and some talks with like Chris Corfus, uh, my partner, the goat drill is on my YouTube page. And basically Mike, what I put that is that, that deal there, I put on the infinity walks, I put on steroids and I shouldn't say that, you know, but I mean, steroids are good <laughs> actually. Right. But that's what, let's be honest. Um, especially if you need them. Uh, you know, as a 50-year-old guy and your testosterone's 200, you better get on him. Um, but anyway, long story short, uh, at the right dose, I should say. Um, then, Mike, so I, I, I've always loved the circles, right? When you run, Mike, if you think about, and Booker, if you think about when somebody runs around a circle, I mean, really, I, my speed development is acceleration, top-end speed, um, change of direction, cone drills, and or running circles. Those are my four things, right? That's basically what it comes down. And the cone drill can be everything, all-encompassing at once, right? <laughs> so when you run around a circle, though, it helps you transfer force from all those angles, right? And it, to me, it's just more, it, it's more what realistically happens in sports. So I made some big circles and my athletes would run around those. And we added that part of a... Uh, on the wall, we'd find a target to stay close to. And then when I started adding variables, right, or Chris talked through this drill and we started doing this drill. So I'll have the athletes, like we, we'll tie the stretch bands, like three of them together. So you put the athlete puts it around their waist. They do the figure eight drill while they're running with those bands and another athlete's running beside them, shaking it and causing all these variables while they run. And then what they add, here's more things they add. They take a tennis ball and they wrap it around their lower body or around their waist while they're running. So not only are they moving their feet, they have to adjust on the run to stabilize. They then have to use their hands like they are in sports, right? And then tracking, keeping their eyes on that one object. And and on the GOAT drill, on the GOAT performance drill on my YouTube page, You'll see I have a picture of a hawk that's actually watching a piece of meat. Why the hawk's head never moves and the trainer's moving that. Yeah, you've guys seen that. Well, that's actually core stabilization, right? I, I, I'll use this example. When somebody's flying, when my athletes are going down the, the ice at 21 miles an hour and then receiving a pass at 45 miles an hour, 50 across the ice with a puck, and they're skating and they're going to receive the pass and the defenseman tips it and it extends past them a little bit and they reach out with one arm and catch it. That there's the core training that exists in sports, right? Not doing a plank drill in the weight room that nothing is moving. Their eyes aren't moving there. You see what I'm saying? Like mm -hmm. if you're doing a plank drill, it should be done like post-surgery or if you got a very neophyte athlete, right? 
but but guys the the big thing for this whole deal and and right here's a picture of the go drill where this guy's running right and he's doing the hands around the hips now i don't have the bands i have a 1080 which is you know sixteen thousand dollars not everybody has 16 grand to spend on four of them like i did where where's the 1080 hooked up i can't see it's just off to the left if to you the see left, it there's yeah. that little okay, right yeah, there yeah, that yeah, little yeah, black box nice yeah song. yeah so and it's hooked up you know and it's it's a great tool if you have it but even i don't always hook them up one day you know we're a little behind i'm like all right just grab just grab the bands but you see that drill now what the variables that i've added to this drill guys is you can then instead of making a permanent target i put you can put a string from the ceiling put a ball there and or like i use a hockey you can use a hockey puck swing it so it's 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 pendulating back and forth yeah. so now guys your body, you're running. When your foot strikes the ground, let's all let's look at the variables. The number one hierarchy of survival is to protect the brain, then protect the spine. The spine, gentlemen, is what core the core is. Okay. Now your core sets on your hips, and I've I've lectured a lot about that. But that spine is the core. It has to stabilize within two hundred thousandths of a, or two hundredths of a second, and or, or it's not going to stabilize correctly. So when that foot strikes the ground at an angle because you're running a circle, your head's twisted. The spine has just changed its, its entire tension. And then your eyes move on the target. It changes it differently. Your hand, maybe the, your hand's outside here. It changes the tension in your spine. And then the next step, it's completely different. And guess what? You have somebody pulling on you. Not much. So the sequence that happens in the spine with this drill, Mike, and I'm going to tell you what happens when I finish all the variables. My business partner in RPR, Chris Corfus, he even has put water bags on people's back. So each step has another variable in it. The DC potential fatigue level in this drill the first time you do it is crazy your brains and here's what also happens i've had coaches reach out to me and i had it and I, I actually predicted it before i even when i created this whole thing i was like there's gonna be problems kids with concussions get sick when they do this drill. this is how intense this thing is so with that being, actually, I gotta have another drink real quick. There's at least another sip. Hold on, guys. <laughs> With the whistle, mate. With go the ahead. whistle. Yeah, okay. And then, so when you do that drill, kids were getting uh, like headaches. So you, and, and then if you look at them, there's a regret, there's some past concussion trauma in most cases. Now, I was able to work them back in at a lower level, like slow speed. And am I worried about how fast you go? I just want you to go fast because honestly, there's so much going on in this drill. Like the faster you can go, great, the better. But I'm telling you, the better athletes I have are better at this drill right out of the shoot. Now they all get better, but the better ones are fluid. And they have all these reflexes like, oh, what's the name of the one that, that differentiates between the upper and lower body? I can't remember them all, right? But like if that reflex is off, this drill is a struggle. And what you do is you, this is, and Mike, I'll do this in the beginning of my workouts around my speed development, right? So I do about four to six reps of the speed development, whether we talked about it, whether it's acceleration, mm -hmm. you know, uh, top end speed or, or running circles or, or cone drills with circles, blah, blah, blah. But the point is, is I truly think 
this well i know this will actually like connect the right and left side of the brain so the brain's more balanced and then when that happens and you go to perform another skill in the weight room or learn an exercise you learn the right patterns and you learn them at a higher level because the brain is dialed in. You see what I mean? So if, if you're more dominant on one side, you can be driven to a sympathetic state versus a parasympathetic state too. So this kind of helps you synchronize that whole situation so that you're ready to go learn a skill. So now, I mean, even my, uh, I did a lecture for, for the USA women's hockey team on this. And, you know, some of them reached out and said, hey, I really feel good after I, and they, they didn't have the bands. All they did was, made a circle, made a figure eight on the ice while watching the boards, while they're stick handling before practice. And then when they went out, they felt that their skill development with their skating coach and their shooting was more, their shooting was more accurate. Just doing drills. Were, well, yeah, because if you're off, if you're off before that and that synchronizes, you're obviously going to have a better situation to learn. And, and for example, one, one pro team, I won't say, uh, called me and said, Cal, we, we implemented this with a seven footer. And they were like, this is oh, we've never seen a change in somebody like this especially this tall right because it's a little uncoordinated at seven foot obviously you know um another friend of mine had a soccer youth soccer player tall tall little girl um she was tall but at eight you know taller than everybody else just a little uncoordinated her mom and dad were athletes though so there was there was some potential there and he was like those infinity walks and then progressing her a little bit into the goat drills he's like cal she's a different player more aggressive because we just think she's more confident and coordinated. You know so, what I'm saying? So what is your goal with doing these? Are you doing it for increased proprioception? Are you doing it to stimulate the brain so they can perceive things better? What Are you doing it for ankle stability? Are you doing it for hip stability, core stability? What What are you doing it for? Check. Yeah. Like all of that, honestly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Because then if the brain can work better – brother if the brain can work better and is is optimized all these drills get better right all these things you do with each training modality in my opinion is not hindered because of some inhibition right and i'm not going to say it's going to get rid of all inhibitions because there's just no way but if your ankle's not stable your spine can't stabilize the optimal way because it's got to lock things down because there's no stability in the foot and it actually shut. It, yeah. I mean, and I, I can show people that the second they walk in my weight room through some series of testing, but it's, it's really like, I, I can't believe how good this drill is. I'm not going to lie. And I don't think it should just be used for us guys. I think every sports coach, especially in the youth model should do some version of it. You know what I'm saying? Seriously. And, and I mean, I, I just gave you a bunch of variables, but like if the kid's doing that drill and like, if let's say in hockey or, or soccer dribbling around and somebody should like maybe take a bag and, and, and tap them and knock them off center when they go through the drill, you know, these are all the variables that any youth sports could possibly develop this drill. And I think, and well, and then as a young child, even the infinity walks, my, my kids, um, should have done the infinity walks why we allowed them to watch TV or, or iPads. Does that make sense? Because you could, and once they learn to read, I think those infinity walks could, you could put the TV on subtitles, right? And have them read their cartoons or whatever show they're watching while they do those infinity walks for 20 minutes. 
it'd be interesting for kids with all of these ADHD problems if they were, you know, moving around and activating part of their brain while trying to learn at the same time. Yeah, that's what Doctor Sunbeck used it for ADD. So, she found it was behavioral first, but I think it mm. it transferred over into calming down the ADD student. You're dead right because once that brain becomes um, connected and optimized, right and less hemisphericity, and they, they become synced, then it's not the ADD situation is not as immense as it was before. Does that make sense? You're right. But. I hear you. I mean, I, I don't know, but do you know much about like different neuroplasticity drills? Have you ever played around with any of those? Like, you know, you can get them also on your, on the pads or apps and stuff like that, where you, you can uh, train brain speed, awareness, pattern recognition, audio yeah. acuity and all of these things. Cause I was playing around with that for a little while. There was, um, I got into it from, the book from uh i think his name's dr doige it's like the brain that heals itself mm -hmm. and then there's a there's a great professor out of california called michael mezenich i think he's called and he has a great app and i was playing with it and i was getting better every day but i kind of got addicted in the morning to doing that because my brain felt on fire afterwards right. so i can only imagine what it feels yeah. like to do that and i was playing it with my athletes they were doing a lot of that stuff in rest periods what were you doing so, Using an app, so basically, and it it, it come it had there was sort of you could do tests, and then it would come up with like where you're good in terms of a percentile out of everybody that they'd measured. So you could do all sorts of things, like it would flash a bunch of very similar symbols, and you had to pick which ones were slightly different. But I mean, then the backgrounds change, the colors change. It might be flowers with different color petals and it just gets quicker and quicker and quicker and quicker and quicker. But you'd be amazed after a while, you can't believe how good that you get at this. But then also the same with, you know, you can track objects. So you have to focus on two balls as an example. And then all of a sudden they'll start moving. Then six other balls will come in and you got to keep tracking them and they're going all over the screen and pick and then you got to be able to track four items, five items. So, and there's many, there's loads, man. Um, yeah. I'll try and find, it's called Brain HQ. That was the app I used. Brain HQ. I'll tell you what, like there's no, here's what I think. I, I, I like, I do like those. They're, they're awesome. They are affecting some things. I think some of them, you're just getting good at the skill. But here's the true benefits, like where you're talking about is I think it helps you, like, let's say you're doing them in between some rest periods, right? It teaches you to calm yourself down because now you have to gather, like, and literally kick in your parasympathetic system so you can do this. And and I've always said, and, and, and Mike, you've probably heard this from Buddy Morris before, like, the best athletes can go from a sympathetic state to a parasympathetic, right? Yeah. So I think those are great for neuroplasticity, but I think the other thing they're great for, Brooker, is the fact that it teaches you to calm down so you can perform the damn thing. Does right. that make sense? And I say yeah. damn thing in a good way, right? In the good way, right? Absolutely. And yeah. I use that example. Like I had a world-class uh, uh, wrestler in here one time, and he did my he was doing my French contrast stuff. I mean, his rate, heart rate's at 190, right? 185. And then 50 seconds after he was done, it was like 51. And yeah, he's a world-class wrestler, right? He's in shape. He gave it hell during the, the French contrast set. 
And 50 seconds later, he was down to like 51 on his heart, resting heart rate. And I, I told him, hey, just once you get to 90, you can go again. Like your set's ready to roll. Like you got enough rest. And he looked at me, okay, I'm 51. I was like, holy shit, it's unbelievable. So, Cal, do you think that that's due to purely um, physiological adaptation? Or do you think that that's their ability to focus their attention on something else? And then that, and they can get immersed into that to then bring themselves down because you can really only think about one thing at a time, right? So say like, for example, if you come off the ice and you're thinking about everything that went wrong, the, the, the shift before yeah. you're thinking about the ref, you're thinking about the crowd, you're thinking about this, that, that what's going to happen the next shift, you're going to stay real high up. But if you're able to just sort of, you know, focus your attention on your own body or something else, you're going to naturally be able to bring yourself down. And to me, it seems like the real elite guys, they can immerse themselves and they can be so in the zone with something that nothing else exists. You're, you're exactly right. And that's exactly, I'll be honest with you, my, my freaks and, and people say, well, it, okay. So they answer your question, is it physiology or is it their body? Obviously it's both, right? Like your ability to control that, like every cell is connected to your, your, your nervous system, right? The nervous system initially initiates every thought and movement. I mean, it's not even the brain it's the entire nervous system complex. Like, I mean, every, uh, a skeleton has a, uh, you know, a, a dead body has a brain, right? The nervous system's not on though. You know what I'm saying? So this whole thing, or, or then we could get into the complexities of where's the mind. We know where the brain is, but I mean, where's the human consciousness in the mind itself? Like I'm sure Mike's been on some trips to figure that out. <laughs> and tease it. Um, you know, some, some would argue it's the penal gland. But that, you know, some of these people that meditate, but you're sitting here you're going, again, for somebody to come in, hit my hit a squat set or some type of complex and drop that heart rate 60, 80 beats, that's impressive, right? That's impressive. Yeah. And they, they can then make the right decisions. Even if they're in a bad mood, I've seen some athletes, especially on the bench, had a bad shift when we were monitoring some heart rates are going, and then they come in, they still calm down. Even though you can tell they are going to go out and light somebody up the next shift, the freaks still have that control over it, right? That, that uh, you know, even in the special operations, you guys may have dealt with those people before. But when I looked at some numbers, I was like, wow, they're actually more calm when they were in the combat zone than they were and they heard another team in the fighting zone, right? Like, it's crazy. They picked that up. Yes. Um, the team that's outside listening to the – in training alone, listening to the gunshots go down, their heart rates jump more than the actual guys that were in the combat. And on the highest train, the highly trained – you know, and I, I didn't see that particular one, but like I've been reported multiple times in that. Would you agree? Yeah. So, so I've noticed this myself where I never – it never dawned on me that being deep in cognitive thought and problem solving would lower my heart rate. So I thought about it from, I, 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 from a brain perspective, right? If you are emotional, that means your limbic system is lit up, right? If I'm, if I'm like fucking ready to go, well, that's, that's going to control my heart rate in an aggressive way. That's going to get me to light everything up and, and kind of like get, get worked and work myself up. Whereas if I'm, problem solving and it's not an emotional problem solving situation where you're sitting there and literally putting the pieces together my heart rate goes down 
So I started playing chess before bed. And you would think, and I get fucking pissed off. Like I, it's funny. I have a chess.com app and I'm not allowed to talk to people on the app. They banned me from chatting with people because I called someone a fucking cuck. (laughs) (laughs) So they, they reported me, but like I get pissed off. But what I've noticed was my heart rate is actually the lowest when I sleep in the beginning of the night from playing chess where I thought I was getting worked up. I'm not. So when these, when people are actually problem solving and deep in thought about something that's not emotional per se, but it's really a cognitive effort, it's like something switches off and the heart rate slows down. I've, I've noticed that personally. So when you're saying this, if you have these guys do this drill that takes them to do certain things, that's not going to raise their heart rate, but makes them problem solve and makes them think that'll lower it. It makes sense that it lowers the heart rate, especially when guys are watching battle or listening to battle, they're getting worked up because they're not problem solving. They're sitting there listening to their buddies get blown up or potentially yeah. get blown up. It's it's the what if scenario rather than how am I going to solve this problem? I, that makes total sense to me. Right. And well, they can. Well, well, obviously, the group that's in the mix in the fight, had, their training has kicked in because their heart rates are low. So this is what they've been inoculated to that stress, to say the least. And you're dead right, man. Like, and, and then it's just even it, – it's crazy, especially once you get reach a level of training that – I mean, that wrestler, I'd never – actually, I'd never trained him. This was uh, – well, I can't say I never trained him. He did a bunch of my methods, but he was in the gym that day, and I'd never tracked his heart rate. And we're like, okay. And then all of a sudden, he's at 51. And I was like, what? And I just watched again in the next set, same thing. I was like, wow, this guy's a freak show. But – you know, um, the mind, obviously, we have to remember that that's, I think that's the, still the frontier. It has to be, right, that we we haven't unlocked yet. Let's be honest. I mean, so the next thing I get into is, Mike, I, got, I, I have the device. Um, I've, I have a few buddies with it, too, and EEGs. Um, I, I brought up the question, like, can we EEG somebody to figure out what's optimal for them that day? You see what I mean? Was, like, wasn't that what the Omega Wave was originally about? No, it is. Well, but that's just one reading, like the, the DC potential, action potential coming out, and like the direct current coming out of the um, the potential of that coming out of the brain. And and, and that's a real, that's probably the best single overview I think you could analyze, right? But with EEG, the question becomes, well, let's be honest, if you're going to, I throw that on and I start drinking various types of liquor and see which one I get the best results with, right? That I keep the right brain waves. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, that's what I'm going to do. This is no, I'm not going to lie. This is what I'm going to do just to see. I've actually confirmed it with the mega wave that, you know, that uh, tequila is my best one. Based upon tequila. <laughs> you don't think I've done this, but I have. Um, what supplements change my brain? What, like, there's a whole, I have, I have thousands of things we can start looking at. You know what I mean? Like what brainwaves are optimal? What can you shift from? Can these drills change you that we're talking about? Does that make sense, Booker? Sure. And what's even, um, I'm with you 100%, but what I find also equally fascinating is is how different thoughts and narratives and beliefs that you've got, that can also very much influence your state too. I mean, you were mentioning about special forces and for sure it goes for inoculation, but they're also very stringent on who they bring in because some people just can't handle certain things, right? So of course they're you know if they've been through the ringers, right? And they've been tested under pressure the whole time. And 
I mean, there's so many fascinating things you can do. Like, I love uh, self-hypnosis and clinical hypnosis and stuff like that. And if you look at some of the, the original studies that they were doing, they were putting people into, you know, let's say a hypnotic state. I don't like the word trance or anything like that. But they would then, you know, play uh, loud music next to their ears and, you know, check to see if there's any responses in the body. And they wouldn't find that. They'd be sticking needles into people's hands and they can't feel that. So if that's the potential that you've got and probably it's not for everybody, but everybody gets focused and engaged in certain things and for sports, man, come on. I mean, the best performances, most people say it's in a flow state, right? When it's not really like things seem to kind of be working for them. You know, it's sometimes it's with like low expectation and different things like this. So man, the mind is like, it's the key. It's really the key. And what about if you can, and this is the sort of thing that I've been playing around with and I've been talking to Mike is what about if you can, teach yourself to change your state based on, you know, very different techniques, like, you know, shifting your awareness in different things and then continue to sort of progress that and then listen to different narratives and then use your imagination. I mean, Cal, you can, can you make yourself sad with your imagination? Probably. Yeah. Right. Could you make yourself cry? If you really tried, I, I you reckon you can make yourself cry? I mean, I do it Especially daily. after a couple <laughs> bottles, right? <laughs> right. No. Right. So why couldn't we get ourselves super excited, you know, confident and alive? Yeah. I think we can, but we just, we don't train that. You know? We don't train it. I think, well, well, like, here's what I picked up uh, about eight, ten years ago. I, when I was mega waving a ton of people, I, I mean, literally all the time, right? Just to try to learn and understand. Guys, I picked up that I had a, on one team, I had about five, five, like shockingly five dudes. You're going, okay, these are men. Like you're going to go to battle, right? You're not worried when they're with you. There's no, no situation that you, like I tell one of them, I tell people, I use this analogy, like you call him up. I haven't talked to him for a few years. He doesn't even live in the country anymore. I call him up and say, Hey man, I saw Ro Moby Dick. I'm going to go get him in a rowboat. And that dude would be like, I'll grab the tartar sauce and he'd hang up and he'd be there in about 20 minutes. You know what I mean? Like that's the type of guy. But my point with these, these dudes, and we had some success. We had a very successful team with them. These five guys, you would see them become pretty serious when the game started. And what I saw was a mobilization of resources. So when I say that their energy systems um, on the mega wave readings started getting low about two days out and you would see their brain potential, the DC potential kind of peak up. And I realized they're, they're getting ready for the game. Like they're mobilizing, their metabolism's kicking in. They are, and I, I took some um, temperature readings with some device on him. Like they literally warmed their temperature up because they were mentally getting ready for the game. They were, and, and other guys, you couldn't pick up anything. You know what I'm saying? And then we'd lose. Let's say we lost. Those guys took it the hardest. So they're emotionally tied in to the games. And they took what in a lot of, well, they all went, all those five went on to play pro hockey, right? But they were serious. They were mentally. And I, I used to tell people, like, I, honestly, I would, uh, and I would mega, mega wave people the day after game. And, and literally, I boiled it down to this. I'd have guys that, like, if we lost, their DC potential would be low. And their heart rate variabilities would be poor if they we we lost and it wasn't all that stuff wasn't affected either they didn't play or they didn't give a shit and most of the time the guys that didn't give a shit weren't affected why because they just don't care 
So it's like, it, it appeared to me that early that, man, the guys that care are the most affected by the losses, right? Yeah. It's crazy. But I mean, that, that'll tie back to your culture, honestly, like who your leaders are. You know what I mean? And we had a group, we had a great leader in that group and those other four that were with him. I mean, they carried the whole team. You know what I mean? They carried the whole team. So it becomes pretty complex. Uh, so my point is, I guess we need to train. I think it's got to be some level of individualization because each, obviously each organism and each human is different based upon inputs, outputs, but you're like, somebody has to start traveling down that road to try to figure that out, right? Like somebody has to, but it's very complex. You're going to have to be a multidiscipline approach to figure this whole thing out. You ever, um, have you, have you had guys that you've suspected they didn't give a shit and then you DC them after a game and they, nothing happens, right? Like you, you that's, that's why you don't think that they, they give a shit, but they still perform day in and day out, right? Like there's uh, a couple of my NFL guys were telling me when they first got into the league, there were guys, you know, signing 50, hundred million dollar deals after losses doing donuts in the parking lot with their Lamborghinis. But every single game, these motherfuckers would go out and ball, right? Like that. I don't necessarily think it's an indicator of performance, but maybe an indicator of how much of the game is really impacting their life. And then if that's the case, maybe those are the guys that need the most talking to where it's like, well, if this game is impacting you to the point where it's decreasing your ability to recover, are those necessarily... Yeah, those are your foxhole guys. And obviously these these five guys you were talking about, yeah. they they went on to high level. But I know a lot of high level guys that couldn't give two shits. Yeah. You know, so do you do you think that there's there's that cause and effect relationship or any kind of correlation? Yeah, well, again, it's probably individual because there's there's I've had guys that I don't know they give a shit, but man, they've been touched by God with a skill set that, that that can't be like they, they they don't even have to play hard, and they they, they played fifteen years in the NF, NHL, right? And the other guys, man, they played five, and they got every ounce of of everything they had to put into that to get those five to seven years out, right? So, um, I don't know. Some guys, I think they get to a point where they become such professionals that they don't have to like be all in all the time. You know what I'm saying? It can still perform at a high level, and then sometimes at some point, the ball players become like big. Big time players make big time plays and big time games, right? Like, it's uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think it's such a complex thing because some guys, the, the give a shit meter, it's it's tough too because I think it can be a culture, right? If you allow that and it appears, the hard part is that mixture. So you have a guy that's been touched by God, especially in hockey, that doesn't have to work as hard, but he's your great, he's your great player. And then the rest of the team thinks, well, that's the way you operate. Well, no, that's not the way you operate because he can do that. You don't have his skill set. And that's the hard part, right? Uh, and that's the dynamics of building a team. And I think our society, you know what? Uh, the one problem with society in regards to team building is that like nowadays, which I think is great, everyone is taught to question everything. You know what I mean? Like you need to question everything. Like, you know, mothers take their kids to the doctor and, and have the kids ask questions to the doctor, which is, I think is really, really good. It's a great learning lesson. You question your teacher on why something is this, or if you're not comfortable with it, but once you have a team and you start to build and you, you all set your goals and you start that process, 
you can't question what the direction we're going in. You know what I mean? You have set a direction and you need to move in that direction, regardless of whether you think it's right or wrong, right? I remember my football, my college football, we ran an offense that I would never run as a college football coach. I'd never run the wishbone offense, but we won two national titles with it, right? Because it was a system. Everybody believed in the thing and we made it work and we won two national championships with it. I would never run that. I, I, you know, I don't like the offense. Back then I did. I believed in it because we had a system and everything worked around it and it worked well, but it's not what I would run nowadays. And that's the crazy thing about our society. It's, it, there's a tough, and our society has so many variables and problems. I'm, I'm not, you know, that, that's a whole other ballgame. So, so going back, well, one, that wishbone, that wishbone offense, right? Mm-hmm. That was, it, whether you would run it or not is irrelevant. You won two national championships. Right. So clearly that was the right thing to do. But in today's, we had. Exactly. So in today's standards, it might not be it. But if you were to run something different, maybe by definition, that would be the wrong move because you did everything right already. Right. right. So. Yeah. Or, 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 or thinking any different. But I, I do also think, so I have Devin McCourty, who I've had him for maybe six, six or six years or so. Um, right after he signed his, his, I think right after he signed his first big contract. And this guy, we, we went over his numbers. He hasn't missed a game since we've been training. And that's not me. He's like fucking Wolverine. You know what I mean? And in his entire career, He's missed five fucking games. You didn't screw him up, though, brother. Let's be honest, okay? At least take the credit there. You didn't screw him up. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, there are certain guys that are just fucking genetic yeah. freaks. Like, this guy, he had he had nearly 100 tackles as a safety one year and didn't miss a game, yeah, right? Like, in, in, like, year nine or ten, and he still hasn't missed a game. And I get him to the point, he can't lift his shoulder. He can't lift his hands over his, his shoulder, uh, over his head. His shoulders are so bad. But we, we end up getting him to the point where it's like, okay, kind of move it, and then we're good. But this guy is, I mean, I, I'm convinced if Bill Belichick could give his, uh, his entire life savings to anyone, it'd be him, right? This guy's been the captain since he's been there, pretty much. I think maybe year two, he was voted captain. Pro bowler multiple times, like four-time, four-time pro bowler slash alternate, whatever it is. And this year I asked him, I said, hey, how's it going? He goes, you know, we suck, but whatever. And this guy cares about winning. He cares about winning. He does care about winning, but it's not, he doesn't take it home with him. Mm-hmm. He's won, he's won what, three Super Bowls, been to five or six of them. He's been the most, there's not a single defensive player in the past decade that has been on the field more than him. That's an insane statistic. And he's been a part of the most winningest team in the past decade. So he's played the most plays for the most winningest team on defense ever. Right? So, and and he doesn't take this stuff home with him. So I think about that stuff where it's like, well, I I know this loss isn't going to fucking really, he's not going to lose too much sleep over. It's like, all right, well, I know what we did and I know what we didn't. Or I know what we did well, and I know what we didn't do well, right? So it's right. we just move on from there. So yeah. I, I, I understand that, but I don't. I don't necessarily think that the amount of toll that it takes on someone, and and the physic, 
is any indication of how badly they want to win no. because I mean, or, or how good of a team player they are either. Because I mean, I, I, I tell people this all the time. If the people ask me, what kind of a person is Devin McCourty? I said, well, if someone walked in to the room where it was just me and Devin McCourty and they had a gun and they said, you got to shoot, I I'm shooting one of you. One of you comes out alive, you pick. And I'd look at him and say, well, Devin's got to live because he's going to do way more better things in life than I will. He'll help a lot more people than I will. He's that kind of guy yeah. that, I'm, that I'm just like, well, fuck, kill me, right? That's how good of a dude he is. But I'm, I know he's not sitting there going like, oh, fuck, fuck, fuck. But he still mm -hmm. cares, mm -hmm. right? So I think there is that balance. I don't think, yeah, I, 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 don't think, I don't think that's necessarily any indication of these guys. Maybe it's an indication of these guys just being fucking obsessive and not able to deal with things. Brooker, what do you think? I think they they've learned that they can't who they are as a person isn't dependent on the outcome because say like if you win a Super Bowl and that's been your lifetime dream why then you're gonna go back to the gym early in the morning the next day or after the 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 offseason period I mean they've learned they've lost met how many hundreds of games I mean especially in a hockey career yeah. you just get used to losing all the, all the time you enjoy the win, but you've got to be separated on the from the outcome. And I mean, that you see that in all sorts of fields. I mean, especially in terms of psychology, you hear about it throughout philosophy, through through every part of the world. So I don't know. I think that they do. They they want to win, of course, but you can't. I mean, you're almost a fool, right? If you're 15 years a pro as a pro athlete and you're going home and you're pissed because you lost on a Tuesday night in the regular season, and you got your wife and kids at home, you're you can't be doing that, man. No, and your your career definitely will be shortened. And that's the part of becoming a professional. And I was talking about, like, for me, it was the college kids at the college level, right? And you're going, I just was able to correlate. Like, I know this kid. I know he doesn't care. And this loss doesn't bother him. It showed up. It was crazy, right? Eventually, they become professionals. And you go from 40 games a year to 80 at an intense level, right? Like, you you if you don't shut it off when you leave the rink, you're you're not good. Your longevity is not going to be there. Let's be honest. You know what I mean. That from no a society problem. point of view, people can't handle the fact that if athletes are like, yeah, well, I lost, but it's it's okay. But that can't be that can't be the narrative because people will lose their minds. You know, because athletes have to be a certain way the whole time. I mean, it's even like things like these some of these young kids they become role models but they didn't pick to be a role model that's like society chucking it on them and society also chucks on the fact that well you should be devastated and we shouldn't ever find you partying after a loss because you should be in bed crying and it's the worst thing in the world when the reality is is hey listen the team i play for is just the one that offered me the best amount of money and it was the best chance for me to jump on. And I like maybe you like the guys maybe you don't but it's a job too right so I mean that's yeah. the truth of it. It's just some of those shit sandwiches you got to eat with a loss, right? And then hopefully just get over them. I mean, I eat shit sandwiches some days, right? It's just what flavor and what level, you, uh, how big a bite you're going to take out of that thing. You know, there's job, there's things about our job we don't like, but I mean, we enjoy hopefully more about the job than we, we dislike, obviously, you know? So, so when you were doing now, now you're doing EE, -E, do you have an EEG at your place? Yes. What type of shit are you doing with that? I haven't. I mean, 
What are you measuring? Tell me everything that you're measuring with it right now. Well, it analyzes the various brain waves, whether it's alpha, delta, right? It, it analyzes all this. And then, um, so I'm in the neophyte stages, okay? And I'm reading up on all of it to, so actually I found a program where it'll run you through a video game. And then it analyzes when you become super stressed, right? And then it can help train you with that video game when you, when you find, when it finds areas that you become stressed in or, and then, or whether you find the right brainwave to perform. So it'll, it's like, a, it'll take you on a roller coaster or you're racing a car and your car depends on you keeping a calm state of mind. And if you get in the right state of mind, then it moves your car faster. But the second a car passes you and you lose that state of mind, it'll drop you back. Right. And then also, um, How is it measuring it, the stress? Uh, well, the stress comes from, I, I got a couple books up there. The stress comes from, well, there's, a, there's also sweat parameters, right? There's also uh, heart rate measurements, heart rate variability measurements, EEG. So, so realistically, the thing's also a lie detector. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Yes, it is a it is a, a lie detector. So, and then you know, like binaural tones, Mike. You know what I'm talking about with the binaural tones, right? Mm. And, and they work for some people because some people find the right one for them. And the hertz and then the frequencies together. Well, well, if you take them through the right hertz and then change the frequencies, and all of a sudden the brain waves will switch to the right ones. You now identified if it's the relaxation one. What ones this person's brain responds to the most so some people try and say yeah i really like this and others like well, i don't feel anything okay you don't but maybe your frequency was 30 30 you know frequencies before that so instead of 250 it was 220 the eegs will help you figure that out so that's what i'm digging into now you know especially like after a game hit your binaural tones do some recovery methods and you get a better response uh, what's the device name? What, what one have you got? Uh, I got Thought Technology. You know top of your head? Yeah, it's Thought Technology, Thought Technology out of Canada. So, and then I have some, uh, a different one coming, a buddy of mine, of course, like you spend 10 grand on something and then you realize you should have upgraded to the $15,000 one. And then there's another device, right? Like it never ends. It never ends spending money. Um, a couple of things I was able to, don't have to spend my money, but I might tell people, I've, I probably may have said this last time, but I, I, I spent, I sent five grand to Russia on a PayPal to get a heart rate variability device I thought I needed, right? Like, and I thought there's no way this Russian guy who we translated through Google is going to send me this. And, and I'll be damned three days later, a thing came from uh, customs that I got a package and I figured it's just a photo of him just going like this, right? Just give me the little finger, but it showed up and it was good. It was good. It was good. It taught me a lot. Right. But I mean, who's, I, ma'am, I, I mean, I've, I've gambled. I've, I've won a lot of money. I usually like, once I win a lot, I, I start betting a lot because like scared money doesn't win. Right. And I mean, I bet more than that on a, on a hand or a, you know, a blackjack. Right more than five grand but it wasn't my money and i like i'd never felt sicker on that one as whoa, whoa 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 let's let's fucking talk about this so you 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 bet you do a lot of betting no it's just when i have like if i have a good run and i got like eight nine grand in my pocket then i've i've said you know it's not my money 
So okay. then I'll just, I'll just let it roll. Right. Like, sure. Yeah. I'm not going to so, go with my own money five, but it's, you know, and scared money doesn't win brother. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. scared money doesn't win. <laughs> but did it ever come in? Uh, I lost that one, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Oh no. Oh no. The, 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 the heart rate variability device came in but the yeah, poker sure. hand the or black, the uh the black the blackjack yeah, yeah, hand yeah, yeah, yeah. the only the only good thing was she was a gorgeous dealer right so i felt a little <laughs> bit better about losing my money to a gorgeous <laughs> it wasn't even her taking it right it was a casino but her smile was like all right yeah, i'll get through it <laughs> bro one of one of my nfl guys is an offensive lineman and one of his buddies was a fat slob and he said how do i lose weight he goes Go to the local gym. It doesn't matter where you go to, who you sign up with. Just find the hottest fucking chick there and ask her to train you. So why? So, well, you'll always show up and you'll always work your ass off because you don't want you don't want her to think you're a pussy. So it's like, bro, hot chicks will fucking make you do amazing things, <laughs> like like do a fucking nine thousand dollar poker hand <laughs> or blackjack hand. Yeah, and not feel bad about it, right? Like. <laughs> You can't lose your call, can you? You can't start, you know, yeah, you can't, can't lose that face. That. You got to drop gorgeous. it. So, yeah. So do you do it? Just to change subjects a little bit. Do you do any investing? Um, I usually, I have people that do it for me, obviously. You yeah. Know, I, I don't. So, no, I don't do like any myself. No, to say the least. Um, I should dig into it. But, man, I got so much I really want to do. Right. Like. There's things that I just pay people to do because I don't want to do it because this is what I want to do, right? Mm -hmm. I, I, you know, like Mike, I still, there's days where I'll maybe, I remember one day I didn't have any athletes on a Thursday coming in and we were just doing playing catch up and I read something and I was like, I went into the room, we had three grease boards, kind of a war room. And uh, before I know it, it was five o'clock that night and I had Nader drank that day and I had the whole, I had filled a, all of them up and then erased one with a, took pictures and then refilled it. Right. You're like, that's what I live for. You yeah. know, and we were reading, researching, digging through stuff. I pulled a couple people in to, to and I, yeah, five o'clock. I, I needed to get the hell out of there. I had some kids stuff to do and shit. I had Nader drink all day. Right. So Cow. you've done so much, man. Like, I mean, you caught like, to me, you're like mad scientist. That's the way I always envisage envisage you i think when you're going to get older you're going to look like the guy from back to the future oh yeah the hair up for sure yeah <laughs> for sure right but say like you know you've been in this game for so long if you were going to like what's been the or actually let's make the question even easier what's been the biggest impact on you i mean because you've done you've gone the business side you've got different companies you've wrote books you coaching in the in the public sector. I mean, I'm sure you've got other private enterprises. I mean, what's been the what's really been the best one for you? In regards to most gratifying? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Honestly, it's just well, I don't the, the business is nice, right? Because it, it makes some money and then I can do I can buy things, right? Like I spent well over a hundred thousand on my own education right of my own money right mm -hmm. so I yeah mean, so I mean, when I, you say business club, side club on that one right like right. That's, if if, well, if if you're not doing that i mean fuck I, I just dropped 60 grand on acupuncture just to see what it was fucking like right you know what i mean so like i i i hear you on that but what what i mean you're not gonna you're not gonna be successful unless you're willing to invest in your own education but what has what 
is driving you okay. to, I mean, you're, you're kind of a serial entrepreneur, whether you think about it or not, because you have the RPR system, yeah. you have the triphasic system, you have yeah. this book, you have that book, and you might not be, all right, hey, I'm not doing it for money, but you're still making money on this stuff. Yeah. Why are you doing this? Why are you selling product? Why are you, you know, is it, well, are you, are you trying to save money? Are you trying no. to build something? Are you, what, what are you doing it for? I, I think I want, actually in the end, I want people to see the whole system, right? Cause nobody really knows it except a couple people maybe now, cause it's so complex, but I, I like getting stuff out there to help coaches. I, mean, I get emails every day going, Cal, we did this with our kids. It was great. Like, that, that's really why I like that's the gratifying part, right? Because I guess I'm helping. I like, I, I do enjoy that's the, the number one thing. That's why I got into coaching. Well, I, I've been divorced in the last year. I, I signed up for one dating website and I fill out some like crap, right? Some profiling. What website, and I, what website you go I, on? I don't even know. Fuck. I seriously, uh, which one did I do? And it ran out. I didn't. I, I look, I never responded once. I was like, oh, this is crazy. I'm not going to do this. I don't need this. Long story short, like I got hit with every nurse or female doctor in like, because I think they, they like to help people. So the profiles matched up. You know what I mean? So me being a coach, I like to help people. That's what I got into coaching for. Um, what drives me is I need to find answers to questions. I, I you know, and that's why I keep digging and we keep learning. And, and my formula for, for creating stuff has been, I question everything I do. And then it, it creates problems that I didn't even know existed. And by talking just to great coaches like you guys, you guys can bring up a thing that I didn't even know existed. And then I try to solve prob I try to solve those problems. So I question everything I do, which creates problems I didn't know I had, which then I can create solutions or find out more things. And that's the formula that and I'm not, a, I don't think I'm creative, but using that formula, I create things mm -hmm. and I'm just, and actually I'm a better problem solver solver than a creator, but by creating problems, I then solve them. And that actually creates some products or a new method. Right. And man, to be able to create shit in, in like see something transpire, transpire after six weeks of, of using it, you're like, damn, did that work? You know, and it's not going to work for everybody. Maybe it will, but not to the magnitude I, I saw it. And, and everything I, I do, like I run a triphasic cycle with somebody that's been through it 12 times. I don't see the effects that I did we, the first time, obviously, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's just don't. You're never going to do that. That's not possible. Um, but that's what, I don't know. It, it's not, you know, I know it's not ego-driven, right? Um, well, sure it is. I mean, everything we do is ego-driven. Right, like no so matter, bad, no matter yeah, I guess yeah, that's that's not bad, not dude. Bad I mean, thing. you want to fucking know, and why I do. do you want to know? Because I mean, I, there's nothing wrong with that. It's fucking no. ego. That's why you want to know because you want to you want to have the fucking answer. I do want to have the answer, right? Yeah. And, but but Fuck I wanted that. to help people, right? Like so, yeah, it's ego. You're right, but it's not a bad ego version, right? Like I, I, I'm in check with my ego. Um, well, most friends of mine have said, Cal, if I showed you something better, you'd scrap every fucking thing you had and start and, and do it, wouldn't you? I was like, yeah, I don't care. Like, hey, hey, I found like quad quad facing. All right, we got rid of triphasing. Throw that shit out the door. You know, I don't know. Whatever. It don't matter. So I, I'm in, right? But yeah, it's funny. Like, I don't know, man. You're you're like, but I'm fortunate this field, there, there's never ending. 
Like I literally think I have eight books laid out in my head, right? From the triphasic part to various phases of training beyond triphasic to the nutrition that's involved in the various things to the areas of brain that neurotropics increase blood flow to make sure that this type of training goes better. Like, and that's a nutrition manual. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't know when I'll get to it. Cause I, you know, the business of coaching like this last year has been really hard because I lost an assistant right before COVID hit and they decided not to replace him until two yeah. weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So I was by my, I go from a staff of 10 people, which included a full-time person and interns to me for one year coaching 50 athletes. And, I, and here's a, here's what killed me, guys. I was my programs were up here. I had to reduce them by seventy percent on the complexity. Yep. I, I couldn't operate it. I couldn't operate. Yep. Right. And and I went home at night, literally pissed because I couldn't implement the best program I knew at the time. I couldn't physically do it because the kids couldn't help me do it. It's too complex. I just couldn't do it. That that's what kept me up during COVID and was up like I was short at times and it's just frustrating because I knew I wasn't optimal. And that's that's disheartening. Well, so so here's the thing though, right? In NCAA, they only allow so many hours in a day, so many training sessions in a week. Mm-hmm. You haven't been optimal for years. That's all there is to it. You you really haven't. You're you're I mean, if yeah. it were true, true optimization. Bro, you're not with these guys for 10 hours a week. No. You know? Um, so- off season, maybe, right? I, I do five days a week in the off season. And it's all volunteer. And the most of the kids show up. In season, I, I do, you know, I have two days a week mandatory, the coaches do. And then I have probably 30% of the kids do a four-day program in season. And But, yeah, you know what? No, you're never optimal, right? Because, again, the buy-in of the, the human can only handle so much, right? I've had I've had guys that are, like, all in no matter what, but still there's a limit to what they should be able to do. You know what I mean? Like what they can perform and, and, uh, the, the, the socialization I think is important. I've realized more that, that, that part of it, just being part of a going out and hanging with the guys is, is just being part of that tribe. I saw it with COVID where one of my teams are just so in disarray that they haven't been able to hang together because they've been pretty strict about it. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, seriously, it's it's bad, especially at the college level. That's what I'm going to say. You know what I mean? Because yeah. they don't have family to go home to because yeah. they're here, you know? Mm-hmm. That, so, tribe, that tribe thing is important. A- abs- absolutely. But go, going back to you having to reduce things to 70%. Or 30. I, or by, yeah, by, by 30%, right? So I have groups of up to 20 people in at one time. Right, like, uh, and all kids, ranging from twelve years old all the way up to eighteen or nineteen years old, yeah. all in at the same time, up to twenty people. So, how many how many assistants do I have working in my group for me? None. I'll have a handful of interns every now and then, but how much can you really trust an intern to fucking do? Right. Right. So, keep well, it sim- keep it simple, stupid. Well, That's- I so for example. Like, let me give you the example. Um, I, I would like what we're implementing next because I got interns back now. So, for example, you get on the glute ham. If you like the glute ham or not, it doesn't matter. And you're doing the internal, external, and neutral, right? Yeah, neutral foot positions, right? So I would test that. But then I literally have to have somebody stand there with the kid's chart to make sure that they know what fucking foot position, right? Like, so this is the babysitting that 
at high levels, I do. You see what I mean? Ex exactly. You know what I mean? And I don't know. In the private sector, I think people are a little bit more, hey, I'm, my mom and dad are paying for this. I'm paying for it. I'm in, right? And if they're training with you, they're all, they got to be in, right? I have to train the walk-ins that, that literally don't, that hate training to my best kids that want to go to the highest level, right? So, and those aren't the kids that I, you spend most of your time with, right? And it's just, um, and then I literally have to remind them at times, all right, you're doing a, so when I say that too, like, like I, I have a group that might be doing power that day, a group that might be doing high speed, a group that might be doing triphasic isometric, a group that might be doing eccentrics because that's where they're at. So I have four different programs running and I could not literally run four different programs that day for 18 athletes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. so, uh, uh, bro, I, I'm in the same boat. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I have these, I have these 20 guys, but I, I was telling you, my motto is the kiss theory. Mm -hmm. Keep it simple, stupid. So I do absolutely nothing that's complicated that a 12 year old can't fucking do. And if this kid's been with me since he was eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 years old, and now he's 18, 19, I can, I can trust that he's doing, he's doing it right. Yeah. Doing yeah. things properly, but no, nah, man, like that's, but I mean, realistically, we went over this in one of our other podcasts. The, uh, according to uh, the, the mechanics of sprinting by Ralph Mann, he said there were, what, seven performance-related limiting factors, right? And the one thing that you can control is the development rate of all of those things. So development rate, one out of seven is like 14%, 15%. Mm -hmm. So now we're talking about the difference between exercises and you're going to be, you're going to pick an exercise that'll develop it 100% or 90% of that one exercise for that one thing. Whereas if you just keep things simple, maybe you're missing out on 1%, maybe 1% of the development rate. Mm -hmm. Do you think it'd be even that high, you know? Yeah. So there, there are certain things that, well, fuck, how much are they really missing out on? Well, so when I use my 1020 tool, right? The 1020 tool is basically, I took 20 years, 15 years of numbers basically, and then was analyzing strength levels and stuff. So you run a 10, 20 yard dash. I put it into the formula and it tells me this athlete, they ran, I got three athletes that ran the same time. They ran a 2.720. They all need three different programs based upon the 10 yard split. Mm -hmm. Right. So then I found that if I use that concept, because well, typical periodization is only accurate in my eyes 20% of the time. 20% of my athletes followed the typical periodization 20%. If you would have flipped the typical periodization and reversed it, 30% of them would have followed that. And then the other 50 was a mixture. But my point is, is like, if I have 12 to 14 weeks in, in the summer, I need to progress them as fast as I possibly can to get the fastest numbers, the best results I've ever have. Um, do you need to get them the fastest or do you need to have them on, on the field or on the ice the longest? Right. Uh, that's so that's, that's where I balance yeah. too. It's like, well, I mean, yeah. Could I have gotten this kid faster? Yes. Mm -hmm. But if I'd gotten him faster, he wouldn't have been able to run 10 forties within, you know, 5% of each other, which I think for a football player is significantly more important than how much, how fast he is on one fucking sprint or two fucking sprints. No, I agree. And you're talking about repeated sprint ability. And that's the athletes that I train. Like I, I tell people, like I just did the Duke lecture and it was like, okay. I, I said, look, you have to understand, you may go to a world-class sprinting facility and learn what they do with world-class sprinters. 
but it has nothing to do. It, uh, it shouldn't say that. It's Every not little. training. It, it's not training repeated sprintability athlete like basketball, hockey, lacrosse, right? Because I, I've seen world class sprinters or elite speed athletes try to go to football practice in the spring, and guess what? They get blown up every time because yes. they can't handle the volume of training. So, so I agree with you. However, I get them through that process of getting faster and being able to repeat the sprints. So everything that I do is to for repeated sprint ability at a high level. But as you know, I do train them to get faster. But yes, I will sacrifice a tenth on their 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 twenty to be able to repeat that thing with a 5% drop off for 16 times or 20 times. Yeah. Um, but I, and I have that variable, right? I understand that energy system component. That's why if you understand my whole training system, that's why I train for time. That's why the variables are all adjusted. It's very complex. Um, and all I'm going to tell you is people that don't train with me for a while and come back and we test them. I've never seen them faster or be able to repeat anything that they did we're talking a kid that spent three years in college leaves for four in the pro level and i'm not saying the pro strength coach was bad he doesn't have time to train people let's be honest mm -hmm. like you just you train in the nhl like your strength coach it's just like it's smoking it's not smoking mirrors but you can't train you can't get better in season there's 80 games in travel like it's not possible right so my point is is that no one ever comes back and they say oh i think i'm better and we test him. I had one guy say, oh, I think I'm better. He ran a 20-yard dash, three-tenths slower. A 20-yard <laughs> dash, right? And then he was 20 – oh, he was 15 pounds lighter and yeah. ran three-tenths slower. I'm like, if that happened here, you, you, I would send you to the hospital for blood work. You might have cancer. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> right? like, but, so that's my point. Like, the ability to repeat effort, the ability to – like, this is what I'm trying to do. And, and Mike, I run a high-volume program. Yeah. So you're going to, you might do 60 bouts of five second exercises or, or seven or 10, especially on late power leg day, Friday. Like my athletes tell me they get nervous on Wednesday night thinking about Friday's power leg day. You know what I mean? <laughs> so yeah, it is, it is what it is. So, but yeah, it's just what I, you know, Mike, I'm not, I'm going to sit here and tell you, I think I get the most optimal results and I'm doing so much extra work to get a half a percent. I am. Yeah. But damn it, I'm going to – I can look all my athletes in the face like, look, I gave you the opportunity to get better. Whether you choose to get better or not, if you showed up here, I, I don't know what else I could have done for you. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's pretty much that simple, right? And not that we can't – like, and I've served people well and didn't serve them optimally, but, like, that's where I'm at. Um, and, and I'll ride that out. And if I can't – if I can't perform at that level, maybe I drop off or we can't, but – um, I, I'm just here to try to win, and that's what that's what I want is winning. So, by you now, if your athletes were to come back this year and say, "Hey, how come our training is so much different than last year?" How you know the freshmen come in and they know it was obvious, right? They're, but yeah. they 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 understand that. Yeah, and, they're good. But but the message you don't give them is, "I couldn't train you optimally." I did. You, you did train them optimally, though. You for did train them up yeah. for what you could do. Yeah, exactly. Because, you're, you're, dude, there's only so many fucking hours in a day. Yeah. And how many people do you have in a group at a time? Shit, it goes anywhere from – well, in COVID, like the whole – or half the team. So I was at 15 to 25 would have to come in because we couldn't have multiple groups with COVID, right? I only had to have one or two. 
and then we had to clean the weight room. Normally I do like groups of five to eight. Right. But with, with, yeah. So yeah, it was struggle. My, I, this whole thing. And it pissed me off the whole time. I'm not going to lie. So, you know, and I'm, I'm just in it. Like what's my purpose to destroy my opponents, to see them driven before you and hear the crying of their fans. <laughs> <laughs> That's sure, Cone here. That's see them drunk before you and hear the lamentation <laughs> of the women. The women. <laughs> 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 and there's so many more variables, right? You're coaching the management of their stress, right? It's there's so many variables in this whole thing. Yeah, I, the the things that I look at in regards to performance. Now, my my demographic that I'm I really spend the most time with. I spend a ton of time with my high school and college kids. Sure. But when I have my pro guys, they're in for three, three hours at a clip. Mm-hmm. And I mean, when, when I have other pro guys, sometimes I'm with them all fucking day. Mm-hmm. And my, my goal isn't performance enhancement. My goal is how many years can we stack on the end of this contract? Mm-hmm. I don't give a fuck how high certain people jump or how fast they run. My job is to serve my client as best as I can, it's not performance necessarily driven. It's the optimization of their career, right? So Devin McCourty, every single year he fucking plays, he's always on, you know, I I think this was, might've been the first year that he wasn't on like the top five fastest players in the NFL with the ball in his hand, right? Like, and, and he may have been, I don't even fucking know. I barely follow football, but routinely this is what occurs with him when he gets a big interception he goes for a run and he's one of the fastest guys in the nfl he's been like that since they've been tracking it but my goal isn't to make him faster my goal he's he's year he's going into year 12 or year 13 right now mm-hmm. my goal is hey can we get you feeling like you were in year eight or yep. year seven that's what it is well and i have that too right i have a veteran geez, he, he skated with me as a college kid in 2002 or one He's still playing. We switched him from our five-day typical program, and that's the athlete's choice, right? He went to a three-day program. Yeah. You, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. And then modified. and Yeah, so it's really their choice. Like, I let them make that choice, right? That's their call. And But here's the thing. My five-day program, the amount of injuries we have are super minimal. You know what I mean? Like, And just the things that you keep digging into, like, my, as you know, the the spinalis uh, cervicis, I believe it is, one of the muscles of the extensors of the neck, right? Chris Corfus found that a majority of the hamstring problems, that muscle was off, tied to the – and we all know the chains. But when he couldn't figure out what was directly wrong with the hamstring and there was something wrong, it was that extensor muscle. But it makes sense because of the, the, the kinetic chains that are in there. But it starts up there, right? So, so these are the things that you like. These are the things that are just like the golden nuggets. And we work on that. We RPR it. You, you extend that. You get that extensor of the neck muscle turned on. Whatever whatever that means are activated. And along with the spinal, the, the capitis muscle, I believe. And you're just sitting here going, this is, this is crazy good shit. You know what I mean? Is this, is this what you're talking about? Uh, up, yeah, up top. Yeah, right there. Right. So, so Dan Paff Paff years ago uh, said that there's a correlation between C7. So we got one, two, three, four, Mm -hmm. five, six, seven ish Mm -hmm. around here. Mm -hmm. Right. Direct correlation with hamstring pulls. 
Has to be, right? Because of the chain that exists. Well, if this is off, then something down the chain is not going to be working, right? And so then how do you retest it? So then like you, you lay on your belly and you turn your head and you extend your neck and then just muscle test that and see. And like Lily, it's crazy. They'll shut down. Turn it the other way. They may be strong. And then we do our, our level three RPR and we fix it. And uh, hamstring problems can possibly just go away. It's crazy. We don't know everything, man. We, and we're never going to know everything, man. If we know 1% now, I'd be shocked. That's that's the UB channel, <laughs> by the, the way. Truth. In UB. in in uh, urinary bladder, that's a bladder channel. Oh in, yeah, in acupuncture. So that goes that goes from here all the way back behind the neck, and goes to the hamstrings all the way down. And you're going, mm -hmm. yeah, there. There. Hey, how did they get it right all those years ago with all these, like thousands of years ago in the medicine, the Chinese medicine or acupuncture like they cut they, mother they cut motherfuckers open that's how golly that's a hell of a way to do it i guess that's that's how they fucking did it um there's there was a relationship uh between the small intestine and the heart and one of the so there's a book called uh what the fuck the, the spark in the machine mm -hmm. did you read that book I've heard of it. It's on, okay. my, it's on my desk, actually. It's, it's, it's an interesting book. Um, and one of the things they talk, everything in acupuncture is fascial related. So the link between the small intestine and the heart is literally a, a, a string of fascia that goes yeah. from the heart to the small intestine. Uh -huh. So, I mean, that's, that's how he's like, uh, perceiving the connection. So, I mean, in, in my opinion, the meridians or the channels or all that stuff, that's that's all that's all fascia. That's uh, all fascia. So that's why you can you can press up here and you know hamstring pain can go away. That's that's a lot of the connection. So back of the neck, right here. Yeah. Right, this is glutes. Yeah. What goes through hamstrings? Uh, yep. the UB channel will go through the glutes, yep. but so so will the uh the the glute medius piriformis and IT band, that's that's gallbladder. Um, and back here yeah. as well is also part of the gallbladder sure. channel. So, so like that, right. that reset right there, you're hitting a global area and that's resetting everything. Yeah, it's good. And, and we, well, and then we have behind the jaw for the glutes too. And like, I don't know if I explained it last mm -hmm. time, but the first extension pattern as a baby is to root for food. And that's that back RPR. And then the second extension pattern is to open your mouth to feed. Right. So that's why we have you right behind. That's why we think the right behind the jaw bone is turns on the glutes so well. That's yeah, crazy. Like, and then it goes back to crawling and like all the developmental stuff of, of the feet or the baby at that point. Right. It's crazy. It's, it's, it's completely nuts. And you're dead right with the fashion, Mike, like electrons travel across that path. It moves electrons around the body. It's there. And there's so much that we don't know. I mean, that's been proven. So yeah, this, you know, is, this is GB 20 right here. Yep, this area, You see that? Yeah. And that's right by the mastoid process. Sure. Yeah. It's, it's all crazy, right? Um, well, and that's the beauty of this field, right? The, dis the multidisciplinary approach to human performance. That's the beauty of this shit. That's what I keep going for. You know what I mean? As soon as COVID's out, man, I got some countries to go to. I'm going to put you on my list. I got to come see you, um, spend a couple days. But th the hard part is like, you know, I got this real job that I got to coach people <laughs> and I got to get away. Right. You know, and, and people at my point in my career, like 
literally I have an assistant. I got interns that can run around and do things. So if I'm gone a couple of days, that's one thing. If I'm gone learning, you know what I mean? Um, that's, they're, they're not, they're not sweating that, but like, as soon as this COVID's over, I'm going to, I'm going to go travel and see some people. You know what I mean? Cal, don't your job actually hold you back? Yes. I mean, cause yes, it does. You know, you must be earning way more money with your books and seminars and courses and royalties and stuff from, from other stuff than you are with working at the university, I guess. Yeah. And however, but I have 50 right now, I have 50 athletes that I can run experiments on. Right. Well, right. The, and the and subjects good of your books. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. And so, and like, I understand, I explained to them like, look, I'm trying this. I, I'm like, we're, we're doing some testing. I, I don't necessarily tell them what I'm testing because I don't want them to be influenced by the, the outcomes, sure, right? That, sure, that'll sure. And then at the end, I'll be like, all right, here's what we found and here's how it changes our training. You know what I'm saying? Well, it's just everything I test. Like I have a 1080 quantum. There's two of them over there right now. I'm looking. It's 50, they're 50 grand a piece. So 100,000 in strength devices, right? Where it's, a, it's training with a robot. And here's the crazy thing. Like, I have one of my athletes go to a PT because of a foot and they, they came back and wrote a report. Oh yeah. Her course week. She's 170. <laughs> like I was like, she's 175 pounds with abs, a female. She produced like 500 newtons of force on her ab flexion test on this machine that we set up. The average male is about 325. She's 500. And, I'm, and I, so I called the PT. I was like, Hey, yeah. Oh, I see. You said course week. Yeah. Okay. How'd you measure it? And I talked her down a path first and I'm like, well, how'd you measure it? Well, you know, I'm, I'm pretty good at just spotting this stuff. I'm like, Oh, oh you're okay. just good at spotting <laughs> it. That, oh, that's Thanks. great. Shit. I wish, yeah. I wish I had that fucking skill set. And, and then I was like, so I ran her through this girl's numbers and she was dead quiet. And I'm like, so look, look, don't tell me like this report, each word out of it, each word out of your mouth is more worthless than the one before it. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm saying this in the nicest way possible, yeah. right? Like, it's that bad. Like, how crazy is that? Every person that's ever went to a PT comes back and said the core's weak. Like, they've never tested any of it. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm talking, this, this girl could safety bar single leg squat around 400 pounds, Right. Produce 500 newtons of force on an abflection test was a beast. And you're going to tell me her core is weak. And then her DEXA scan, the amount of muscle through the midsection. <laughs> it was crazy. <laughs> but her core is weak, right? Yeah. It's just nuts. The, the, the problem with our field guys is that people are lunatics in regards to, like, well, the egos, right? And I mean, Mike, somebody can open up shop down the road from you and say, I'm better than him with zero substance to, to back it up because he's yeah. got an Instagram following, right? It's just nuts. It's just frustrating. You know what I mean? Yeah, but And I don't care, though, right? Like, I don't care. Yeah, and I, I, I couldn't give two fucks. Like, no, hey, right? someone's better they than might me. Be lucky. They might be lucky at the beginning, but come on. Like, yeah. over the long term, it always comes to, right. you know, the truth comes out. So, And, and nowadays, with my skill set with RPR and everything, if you want to, like, I'll, I will go in front of tens of thousands of people with anybody in the world and say, let's watch this athlete move, run, and then you tell me what's wrong, and then I'll tell you what's wrong, and I'll find out what's wrong, right? And then we'll, we'll create the training program, and I'll show you how to fix it really quick. I do that with anybody, right? I, I'm okay with that. I'm saying, 
um, that I'm the best. Like, well, and I, I wouldn't want to, well, not that I wouldn't, but Chris Corfus is probably better, is better at running than me than all that. Right. Like he, he he's magic. I, I literally will take my son down there and I thought he was tuned in and Lily found something on the QL and the glute meat on the anterior fibers of it. Right. That was causing a problem of his foot pushing off when he pushed off in the running gate. Right. And you're like, okay, he found it. I, and I knew there was a problem. I just couldn't fix it. Chris did. And it was, uh, you know, that, that kind of stuff. And so, you know, the kid down the street might, might be better doing daily Instagram posts, but, um, the, the true substance you're like, and, and there's this whole art to this, right? Like, I just have a feeling when I'm 65, I'm going to still be figuring shit out. Even if I'm not coaching for money anymore, yeah. I'm going to go to a local high school and just help and try. Right. That's my, that's like, if I have enough money that I can say, I don't have to do this anymore, but I can just go volunteer and do whatever I want and travel. That'll be fun. Right. Yeah. It's what you mentioned before. As soon as you like solve one problem, it doesn't take away one less problem. It creates a whole other, it creates even more problems. Right. So, Cal, I wanted to ask you, I mean, you mentioned before about, you know, binaural beats and you put them on after a game and then you get them. I'm not sure what, what you said also you, that you combine it with but some sort of return to parasympathetic. What kind of things are you playing with there? Do you do any like progressive muscle relaxation or breathing pattern work or how are you sure. getting them back? Um, so you'd put those on once we find them. Um, actually, I haven't even found them from, from my athletes yet um we got to get that thing completely fired up and they got to put gel on their hair so i didn't think we should do it in season so as soon as the season's over we're gonna figure that all out but uh and then also right i activate the extensor muscles because i found that extensor muscles are or well they are connected to the parasympathetic system right so we, we 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 may hit rpr points but we do then tell them to readdress their extensor muscle i have a uh in my recovery manual that we wrote we have a vestibular reset. And if we get the vestibular system reset and we do like a Faduka step test to analyze them. So that we'll do a Faduka step test. And if they, you're standing there with your arms straight out and you're marching in place and you spin to the right, then, then we know the response that you need to, to reset your vestibular system. And it, it's kind of in, there's some stuff on my YouTube page. You should, people might be able to figure it out. And so we'll do a, a quick vestibular system reset and then, and what that does is it shifts you in the balanced parasympathetic, more of a parasympathetic state because you were in a sympathetic after the game. So between the binaural tones, um, the vestibular system reset, the extensor muscles turning on. And like, so when you go into an old folks home, you see people starting to curl. Their sympathetic system, their parasympathetic system has worn out. So they're not recovering. And literally, I had a Cairo make me aware of this, and then I helped some other friends. I was like, uh, if that's happening to your father, like, it's not very long, right? They noticed that his hands were curling more, and I'm like, look, he's not recovering. So there's at some point, there's going to be a drop-off. Like, it's not good. And my one of my Cairo friends was like, yeah, Cal, um, when my, I knew my father was done when his flexors were just always on and his extensors were completely shut off, and it, was more, it wasn't more than a couple months. But, but you think about it. We're in the womb flexed. We spend our whole lives trying to get extension. And then you go into the old folks phone. What do you see? All these people back deflection. Yeah. So by, um, so that's why we do the extensor parts of our PR. And then whatever method you want, like, um, 
you know, I have tons of methods. It's actually free on my Exo Athlete website where I, I show patterns where we'll do lymphatic flushes. And instead of doing them on a trampoline, like I'll use the bands hooked to the ceiling and they'll bounce on a pad to do lymphatic, you know, but, but if you can get your brain balanced before you do all these recovery systems, it doesn't matter if you just balance your brain and sit on the couch, you're going to get better recovery, right? Because you move more blood through the body moving blood through the body is key and i think guys i'm going to go back to this you everything that you want to do if you go for a 20 minute walk bam i've measured recovery methods and that's the best one I, i'm gonna be honest with you now if you can do some things before that whether you balance out the the brain and all that right and calm down do breathing exercises and get in a better state and then go walk with binaural tones or whatever you want to listen to even chanting the ohm chanting like uh frequency at uh, 230 or 432 on on youtube there's there's tons of those own chanting all you gotta look up boom and you're in a better state right and and you can go and, and and heal yourself and well just recover well it's the soviets were famous that their recovery was to go walk along the beach barefoot right uh, grounding right they would do right so yeah and if you're in a better state of mind obviously it's a better situation so when those guys leave the facility as we talked and they don't care he's doing a donut and he takes off and he's he's cleared himself like he's probably just in a better state for recovery now you know what i mean right because right. he's not eating that loss because you can say all right i lost screw it i'm out the door i'm gonna go i'm gonna join my family and hang out and we're back to work on monday tuesday so do you have you have you um any experience with any of like self-hypnosis or anything like that i'm i, I tried all that and I'm not very good at it for me personally. Uh, <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? sure, sure, I sure. Just, man, I get frustrated when I when I do anything like meditation. Right, right. And honestly, I'm like, and my brain like gets mad. You right. know what I'm saying? And it's like, I get all mad, frustrated. And I'm like, it's not for me. And maybe I could coach myself into that. But I just, I'm like, I honestly, the best thing for me is a 20 minute nap. Right. Right, like that's that's golden for me. Uh, you're gonna, I think there's gonna be a big wave of different self hypnosis stuff coming out with Stanford. I don't know if you've heard of like Andrew Huberman. Mm -hmm. He does the whole podcast network with Rogan and that, and him and his colleague. There's a guy called Doctor David Spiegel, and he's like the leading expert on clinical hypnosis work. And they're now about to release a bunch of papers on non-sleep deep rest work. And so basically, so. Self-hypnosis is almost the opposite of meditation in terms of what you're trying to do, although it might have some of the similar effects. So say sure. like meditation is a lot more about uh, not trying to control anything. So it's like if your mind, your mind's like this, this glass for rum, right? No matter how hard I try and hold it, that rum's still moving. So the yeah. best idea to make it come to a still is to drop it there, let it go and just forget yeah. about it for a while. So that's like meditation. That works for some people, but it don't work I know. with everybody. Same with also self-hypnosis. Don't work with everybody, but self-hypnosis is much more about uh, focused attention. So really learning to just sort of like engage in one thing and trying to like um, remove all forms of distractions. And there's some great stuff that you can do in terms of like progressive muscle relaxation work. So say, for example, yeah. if you tense a muscle like and do something very physical, especially for you don't even need to, to to be educated in it. But if I tense a muscle and then relax it, I can sort of follow those sensations a bit more. 
right. so that you can sort of get the body to sort of really relax. Well, if you start doing certain things also with your face, you get guys lying down on the floor with their legs up on the wall. Yeah. And especially if it's guided so they don't even have to think about it, you can get guys into such great states. I mean, I've had guys f- like knock out, knock out very, very quickly into a nap. I mean, if you're talking about 20 minute naps, good for you. Yeah. Sometimes the problem is, is it takes you 20 minutes to try and get down for a nap. Right. Right. Well, like the, the, the mammalian dive reflex. Have you guys ever heard about that? Yeah. Sure. So what I'll do is what I, I kind of hacked at my weight room. So we, we do our vestibular reset and I only do it too often. Right. Because actually, um, especially in a national championship setting where we have a day in between. But what I'll do is, uh, so basically my main dive reflex is that your mouth needs to be warm and your face is cold because you're drowning. And what the body does is it releases the oxygen out of the spleen and that whole thing will help you recover. So I've been able to to mimic it in the weight room and it's actually on my website, uh, Exo Athlete. So, and it, it gives you an example, but, but so I'll have my athletes, they'll, they'll put their legs up on the wall to create more pressure in the midsection for the blood flow, right? From the blood falling out of the legs, they put warm water in their mouth and then they put cold bags of ice on their face and they hold their breath until they can't hold it any longer and they have to spit the water out and it will cause a release of the oxygen out of the spleen. Oh, say say that again. Okay. Okay. So <laughs> so you you put warm water in your mouth because if you were drowning, you your sure. saliva would be warm. Okay. And they put their and you'd have pressure on you if you're drowning underwater. So you put your legs up against the wall. I could send you a uh, I can send you a link for it, Mike. I don't know if you, do you have show notes on this? Yeah, uh, sure, sure. We'll chuck it, we can chuck it in there. Mike, if you send it to Mike now, Mike can put it up on the to share the screen yeah yeah all right yeah, text to me right now i'll put it right yeah on yeah well well where, where it's at so then you put your feet up on the uh um yeah i have it right here so you put your feet up on the wall like you're just like you just talked about oh cow can share the screen right well, okay I'll just put it in the chat and you can or yeah, uh, I'll, I'll load it up yeah so here's the chat um basically yeah and this is this is the one part of it and then so when your feet are up on the wall what you're doing is creating pressure in your midsection and then by putting warm water in your mouth so he has warm water in his mouth right and with that being said it's mimicking your underwater but your mouth's warm and then by putting cold ice bags on your face and then holding your breath as long as you can it causes the spleen to release more the oxygen that's been stored up in it, which will help with Get recovery. The fuck out of here! Yeah, cow, cow, I love you, man. All right, well, bro, I fucking now, love you. No, I, I think I'm doing some you. stuff sometimes, and then you just, you know, you well, got you got, a ball, you got the biggest balls, bro. Uh, well, well, awesome. but you're mimicking like people get up and like actually, I've seen some glazed eyes when they get out of this, right? Because like there's a huge shift in their parasympathetic. So here's the, here's the concern though. I would do it before. I wouldn't do it more than once a month. Okay. But the first I've, I've had athletes do it the first time and they became lethargic the next day. And I checked them and their, their parasympathetic system really kicked in. Mm-hmm. So just be aware that like experiment it in the middle of the summer. How, how does the simulation of drowning make you relax? As a well, because, mechanism? well, it's yeah. So when the people are drowning, my, like when it's at the end, I'm talking at the end. Yeah. P- 
people say they get this calm feeling before they like went out yeah. and that's what you're mimicking i know right yeah you're not struggling to fight right like it's one of those deals where let just go. let it happen man just, just let, let it, it happen yeah yeah and if you if you have really good control of your breathing before you go into this it helps so it's it's even more calming effect yeah but just again i want to be careful like if you have a big game the next day don't do it if it's you've never done it because it could cause a a, a large parasympathetic response so that's in when that happens and you're super lethargic the next day and you need a bunch of caffeine to get out of that one of one of the best things i ever did to sort of knock me out and i think it would be quite interesting to research more have you ever looked at any of the light therapy stuff like strobe oh, sure. lights oh sure man this is fucking serious i mean i've I do so much of the different breathing work and self-hypnosis stuff. So I can get myself really deep pretty quick, but with some, a good audio and a good yes. chair and this strobe light work. I mean, this is like tripping hardcore off of like, you know, you're getting all sorts of different patterns. By the time it ended after 20 minutes, I struggled to get up off the chair. Uh huh. So you're, you're dead. Right. Like it's, it's the, it's, it's crazy. And this is just something I ran across. And some people, I'm not sure they get a true effect, right? But it's 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 a minute worth trying. Is all I'm going to say, <laughs> right? It's it's crazy good. It is. Yeah, what's the what's the craziest thing you've ever tried? <laughs> all right, on myself. Let's get yeah. fucking serious. All right, we're like serious. an hour and a half into this. Let's fucking. <laughs> all right, and I'm fucking drunk. Yeah, well, and here's the deal. <laughs> you guys are going to shit. This is going to make this go crazy, okay? <laughs> so I do a lot of experiments on myself, right? And uh, what I, I do have a sleeping problem at times, right? And I take like 14 substances at night. not Or supplements, like from melatonin <laughs> to theanine, like all kinds of shit. Magnesium, like I, I do it all just to give her a shot to get to sleep. So I was struggling to get to sleep and I found this, I saw this odd study one time of, of a substance. I, I, I shouldn't, I'm not going to say it cause I want people to use it. Um, and I don't even know if it works, but I'll tell you what, what happened with me. So I found this substance, supposedly it got animals, certain animals into some deep sleep. And one of like, one of them was rabbits. Okay. So I ordered this substance out of China right that's where i could find it mistake number one mistake number one i got it i'll be honest with you it fucking looked like clorox (laughs) so but here's the fucking beauty here's the beauty you had to mix it up and reconstitute it okay so you're mixing up various things and and then it was it was uh intravenous so i had to put it in a vein all right so i wasn't too sure about it because it looked like clorox Right. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, oh. who knows? Who knows? <laughs> so, so, and I was going to do all this heart rate variability testing on it just to see if it could get me to sleep. Right. But it supposedly could get you to sleep quickly. So I mixed it up. I only did half a dose about a, of, of like, so I, I just went, I'm like, I went, all right, I'm going to make it easy math. Instead of 240, 250, I'm going to do 300. So I did half a dose. So it was a 150 pound <laughs> rabbit based upon the correlations of a rabbit. All right. And needs to say rabbits have a little faster metabolism. So I probably shouldn't use that much, but I use a half dose and I didn't feel a thing the first night. Right. So I was like half a dose shit. And where it gets cloudy guys is like, you have to realize I was doing the math between a, 
a, a three kilo rabbit and a 300, you know, 300 pound man, whatever. So then the next night I was in a hurry. I knew I wasn't going to be able to sleep. It was one of those nights. So I mixed it up. And when I recon, and I, I was going to mix up three different nights in a row for 300 pound person. And what I did was I only put enough liquid in for one night. And so I mixed it up. So the equivalent was basically I took enough for a 900 pound rabbit. <laughs> okay. And like I injected that in me. <laughs> okay. And within about 10 seconds, I knew there was a fucking problem. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I, I like, I threw the shit down and I'm walking to the bedroom and I'm like, my head got hit like so it hit me like a fucking ton of bricks and i'm laying in bed i'm literally laying there going oh this shit is it. I, yeah this no is this is it. <laughs> <laughs> and i'm like do i wake my here was the question here's the fucking question of a married man do i wake my wife and let her know to take me to the hospital and i was like it's not worth the ass to and i'm just gonna ride this fucker out <laughs> And like this, you could order the substance. So it was like completely legal. I was like, what? You can't do this. Uh, well, whatever. It came out of China. And anyway, so, I, and I'm laying there. I'm like, no, I'm just going to ride this out. And I like literally one of those situations where you, you can like hear your heart beating. You know what I mean? And I passed out. I woke up like seven hours later with the worst literally headache I've ever had in my life. I grabbed all that shit and I threw it out and I said, I, I'm not going to fuck with that stuff anymore. Right. And, uh, yeah, and nothing good came of it. Well, maybe maybe you fucking <laughs> say what the substance is so no one fucking <laughs> does it. Fucking, no one's going to do this. Trust me, I've wall. never seen it anywhere else. <laughs> no one's going to fucking do it. Oh, it was, so that's like one of the stupid ones I did, I guess. <laughs> it's not recommended. Don't inject anything into your vein. Give, right? us, like, give, a, give us more. You know, that you looks know? like Clorox. Like, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> what so, the fuck what the fuck else have you done oh uh, i mean nothing of that magnitude i mean i just well, like just tested myself with various drinking and supplements and that's always good right like but it's all good stuff um, so so you said you have trouble sleeping what do you what do you use to measure your sleep um, in regards to what, like just measuring the duration or just during sleep? You tell me what, what yeah. I mean, you have every gadget there is. What do you yeah. like to use to, to quantify your sleep? I think I should get a whoop. I don't, you know what I mean? Bro, but, bro, let me set, let me set you up with the Oura Ring. I fucking know yeah, the CEO. Yeah. I have a whole okay. bunch of our connections over there. Let's do let it. Let me, yeah, I'm going right. to set you up with the Oura I'll Ring. I'll hold you to it. And then, uh, but like, so if your heart rate variability is bad during the day, I've, I've checked some people and, and it appears that if it's good at night, then you're okay, right? And mine's pretty good at night. Uh, I do like grounding. Honest to God, I like the grounding sheets for my heart rate variability. And You've noticed the difference. Yeah, yeah, I saw it from one night to the next, for sure. How and long then, are you grounding for? I do it on the, no, I do it during the night. So on mats, why oh, sleep? Oh, you sleep the on a grounding night. mat. Yeah, you put it. The, you put it on your bed. They they have the long grounding. Yep, they have the bed. long ones. So and, and like which I, one I feel you, the, which one do you use? I'm not sure. It's nothing. Like it's got. Uh, I can send it to you. You just googled grounding mats. Yeah, Google grounding mat. Nothing specific. And then uh, I do. A, I do a pillow too. I really like that. 
for whatever okay. reason. I don't know if it's any better, but I figured if I unplug one in the middle of the night, the other one's rolling, right? Like, so whatever. It is what it is. Um, and, and maybe that's just because it worked for me and I don't ground, you know, but like normally. And, uh, but yeah, no, the grounding was good for me and I sleep a little better uh, with that. But, and then the heart rate variability improved because I had a device I could wear all night. What is your HRV? Um, what do you mean? Like the actual number? Uh, shit, it depends. It's it's pretty good. Uh, I don't even know on the Omega Wave like what it would be. And then the other device, well, my resting heart rate had, would get to like forty eight in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. You know, so that wasn't bad. Um, with good HRV on that, because well, I have so many different devices I've measured it with, right? Yeah. So they all use different. I know their own metrics. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I mean, I have the raw data, but shit, I don't download that and figure that out. So, um, yeah, so like it's, uh, and then it just correlates with my stress during the day, man. If my stress is bad, then it sucks regardless. You know what I mean? Um, people got to realize it's, it's, what's going to kill us. It's that's the killer, man. What is, what, what's the, is it just your head? You can't switch your head off. Oh yeah, no. Like too it keeps much running. energy. Yeah, it keeps running. Yeah, yeah. Question. I mean, it's not a bad. Like, I don't think it's bad, but it's a blessing and a curse, mate. I yeah. Mean, look at you. You're churning out so much good, innovative stuff, but it's got a consequence too. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, genius and madness are two sides of the same coin, man. Yeah. yeah. You just uh, you just can't turn it off, right? No. And then you know, I take care of my heart. Like I take grandma of tarine every night it'll calm the nervous system down and helps with the heart and then all the stuff to make your heart stronger you know coq10 you know and i don't to overdo it but like because i know the heart's the big one for longevity right mm. the heart's the big one that's a big one and i i mean i do a lot of walks like i'll, I'll do a six mile walk uh, three four times a week at a, at a big state park you know if i can how far, how far are you walking six, six miles. miles you said yeah yeah so about an hour and 40, it's, it's, it's not, it's up and down hills too. So are you listening good. to stuff while you're doing it or are you completely unplugged? Uh, both. So it's really, I feel on the day, like some days I'll feel phone calls. Some days I'll listen to music cause I want to. And other days it's just unplugged cause I don't want to fucking hear anything. Yeah. So yeah, it's yeah. kind of like individualized when I say that, just cause I want to do whatever I can. And I, I think once you become in tuned a little bit with your body and understand it, then you make that. Cause like there's days where music, makes me happy to listen to when I walk and other days I don't want to hear it. So I don't, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So yeah. Um, that, that human conscious, uh, I shouldn't say consciousness. That's a whole nother level, but the awareness anyway, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's the beauty. So let me, let me ask you this. I know a lot of guys, I mean, look, look, look at what fucking happened to Milo. My Tom Islinski was, the, was with the Jacksonville Jaguars for how many years? Was he there? Fucking Jeez, 10 yeah. years or so, right? Yeah. Got the rug pulled out from under him. Uh, Justice was with the Jets for 10 fucking years. He survived three or four coaches. Um, and then you got Marco Uyama, who was with the 49ers for however many years. And then he was with the Vikings for yeah. for several years with, with different coaches. And these guys are all pretty good at what they do. Yeah. And they're gone. Right. Like now, Grant, you're you're the Olympic coach. You're not the football coach. You're not going to change with too many, too many different staffs. However, your job does have a shelf life. Yeah. Right. 
Yeah. And eventually, I mean, you know, when you're as as sharp as you are and as risky as you are, you're going to do something that's going to fucking piss someone off where someone's going to say, hey, listen, the mad scientist has got to fucking go in the way. Yeah, right. I know. Right. It's only a matter of time. What do you have planned for yourself then? Because, I mean, I know I, we, we've had coaches on here. They don't have a backup plan. And yeah. then when shit hits the fan, these guys are fucked. I've talked to world-class coaches yep. that are super sharp that are like, I don't know what I'm doing for money. I don't know what I'm going to do. What do you, what do you have in the works? Are you, are you, is that something you think about? That's why the money thing for me now where, where I'm at is, is pretty important to me because I need to understand where the hell I'm going to be in the next five years. How am I going to, how am I going to do this? Right. What are you you doing for all this? Well, I have the books and the businesses running and I think that's, that's, I knew I needed to have an exit plan, especially if I wanted to stay in Minnesota if I lost this job. Uh-huh. Yeah, so that's why I started the companies. and But then also, I can create my own resources to develop myself with my own money. You know, and I, I don't get a fifty or $1,000 budget to keep my certification from the university, right? Like, they give me this $1,000 budget where I've spent 100000 probably. Um, yeah, I mean, coaches need to consider that. Right. It's a, it's a scary thought. I'm hoping if they fire me from here that I can just I, I'm making enough money on the outside that I can just do what I want. Come visit you for a week. Right. Come visit people for my first year. out. I'm just going to travel yeah, and learn. Like if I get fired before I look for a job, I'm going to spend a year traveling. You know what I'm saying? Seriously. Traveling where? To coaches. No, to, to people that I want to see. Give me give me your and, list. And for, do, you, do, you, do you have a list written, oh. uh, written out already? Give, give me give me five guys. Well, I, I, um, and don't tell I me me to, to flatter me. Uh, okay, I won't tell you. Yeah. All right. Um, I would definitely go see uh, Hank uh, Cranoff. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Hank's the real deal, boys. Um, any other person on the sprint world, let me in. Um, but like, I, I then probably definitely go see Buddy Morris. Um, try and maybe kind of. I'd be there, kind of antagonizing. I think I would. (laughs) (laughs) Antagonizing. Yeah. Um. Obviously, I'd probably spend a month with my business partner because I've I've never spent more than a couple days with Chris. Um, and then, um, I got a rugby coach, South African Blue Bulls. He's a good guy. Uh. Yakis is his name. I want to go spend because he does a really good job. Like as far as I can see, obviously he came and visit me. And he, the questions he asked, I'm like, damn. Out of the blue, this guy shows up. I was like, oh shit, this guy's a real deal. You know what I mean? Um, he's with the South African Blue Bulls. So I, you know, if I could get into Africa and see him, um, then, you know, if I, I'm fortunate that I can go visit people because of my name now at this point, right? So I can get in the doors. Uh, couple pro teams I want to go visit and some other I don't want to say their names just mm-hmm. whatever fair uh, fair enough and then uh, and then just keep solving problems and see who's doing the best job of solving those problems and then just start from there and just keep going through that list but I do have a couple projects that could I'm trying to work at a global scale to help people at a high level or a, a, a major scale uh, a global or an artificial intelligence project that i think could 
So if I, one of my assessments I do takes about 50 minutes. I don't do it very often. I do it on my five side. zero 50. Yeah. Of, of just three seconds of video and the artificial intelligence might be able to do it in a split second when it's all done. So it takes 50 minutes of Cal's time, which I would charge $500 an hour to do. And it can do it in a split second. You can do it. I didn't ever need to be involved once I teach artificial intelligence. The mm -hmm. assessment, you know what I mean? Because I think my assessment, watching somebody do something and assess them, and then is the future. And then you can predict some training models off that, right? To fix the problem. That's the hopes. So, and I, I, I want to create that tool so that coaches can use it to make their athletes better. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so I, I know you do the 1020. We've talked about that. What are some other things that you do for assessing? Mm, really, um, I could, you know, it's just it, like, so for example, I'll do a 1020. I'll do the vertical jump, vertical jump with pause, um, eyes closed, hand on hips, blah, blah, blah. Um, I'll give you one. 20 years ago when I started jumping, and I'll, I'll release this in my book. I assume somebody will steal it claim it's theirs but like mike i had a six dimension or like a force plate that showed all the angles when people jump and i saw people jump and when we would do our jumps hands on hips eyes closed i didn't do it in a quiet room but it's still and the, the reason for the quiet room is because the jump can be offset by a, something to make a noise so the person realized the noise over there and the vestibular system will, yes. will, will yeah. yeah so it doesn't give you a true reading and then here's here's the beauty so what I saw was my quad dominant athletes and fuck, I didn't know how to fix them yet, but I saw my really high quad dominant athletes jumping forward. So when they do their vertical jump with the, so they would jump forward and they'd land forward. So then I realized, holy shit. Like you can just pick out a quad dominant athlete. If you just have them stand their eyes closed in a quiet room, hands on hips, jump three times and you get your quad dominant athletes will, will jump forward. So you know you got a pattern problem, right? But I've been waiting for 20 years for the, all these force plates experts to like tell me something that's fucking really usable. And I haven't heard one thing out of them yet. You know what I mean? Like, oh, we can predict training models. And, and some of them do a really good job and they're like, hey, yeah, use triphasic now. Like when if you get this result. But that result is not correct. Like I, I tried to use it for training models 20 years ago, 15 years ago. And I can't predict training models off of them because it's not valid. I know. I, I I struggle with the same fucking shit. Like trying to understand what they're seeing with the force plates. I, I don't get it. it. It There's too many variables. Yeah. And that's why I like the 1020 because it, it takes running, which is so natural. You know, because like, okay, if that was a good test, I have an athlete do it. I coach him up a little bit and I get a different result. Yeah, it's not so much of a valid test anymore. You see what I mean? And then the big thing with the quad dominance is that Mike, here's the one thing I was, I did, and it's on my YouTube page. It's performance cycling. Did we talk about that last time? No, no. Holy no. shit. So here's what I saw. And you can look at this performance cycling on my YouTube page. Guys, when I was in COVID, my son, my 15 year old son was training three times a day, six days a week. Cause we had nothing better to do. Right. And I had him do a set of squats. He warmed up. I had him video him running. I was watching. And then he did his squats and guess what? He ran after that, and guess what? He was undulating up and down. So I went, holy shit. I got him on the table, and I checked, and I'm like, shit, he just shifted into a quad dominant. There it is. 
he just shifted into a quad dominant type of athlete. Okay. And it, 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 you got to listen to the video. I mean, there's not much you can pull off that, but here's the deal. So when he ran after his squats, he bounced when he ran before that he didn't bounce. So what I'm saying guys is five or six sets of squats actually drive your athletes into a bad pattern. So let's say I did squats and hurdle hops. So then I was like, how the hell do I offset that bad pattern? Now, look, we, where we get that, Mike Booker, from bodybuilding, we got it from powerlifting, we got it from weightlifting, right? Did so then when pull I, his hamstring? No, that's actually a, a Deion oh, Sanders. Wow. That's a Deion. Yeah, the Deons. The, the, yeah, the Deons, right? So what happened, too, is you could do squats again, and the first time he did them, he was a little smooth, and the second time, he, after the squats he did them, he would bounce more, just naturally. Yes, right. which he's, right. he's not providing the right amount of vertical force, uh, right, or horizontal force. Or horizontal force. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what happens, guys, is by doing five sets in a row of just one exercise, you create a bad pattern. Now, for bodybuilding, you need to do that because you need to create a metabolic effect to cause it, mm -hmm. right. you know what I mean, cause right. hypertrophy. For weightlifting and, and powerlifting, you need to make that groove or whatever you want to call it. You need to get good at that. For sports, it causes a negative running effect. Doing basic squats. Anything. It does, it's not even squats. It's, it's one exercise. So what I do, I then was like, all right. So actually that day, I had my son do a glute ham and then video him again. Guess what? The bounce went away. So I was like, holy shit. So then I just started cycling him. So we do the set of squats with hurdle hops. And then we did the glute ham hyper. And here's what the other thing I added. It's called functional transfer complexes. I added the straight leg Dion's with the glute ham hyper. And then after I cycled through that four times, guess what? His running didn't bounce. So you mean you paired a quad with a quad and a hamstring with a hamstring? I did quad, quad, hamstring, hamstring, glute whatever, posterior chain. Mm -hmm. So really it's just a quad and a posterior chain. And instead yeah. of doing all the quads and then all the hamstring, I cycled them for athletes. Right, right. And it doesn't cause a negative compensation pattern. Do you think it would have if you did hamstring, hamstring, then quad, quad, and then got them to run? Because is no. it just the body repeating what it just did? A lot of them just drive into that quad dominance really fast. Okay? Right. Yeah. So here's where the, the vertical jump stuff comes in. So people, so I would even see it with my son because he, he adapts to the really quad really quick. So he'd do one set of squats. I'd video him and he bounced. So then what I do, I was like, wow, one set, he, he, he actually adapts to the squat really quick. So I just had him start at the hamstring. He did the hamstring, then the quad, and he didn't transfer. It didn't bounce. So I was like, holy shit. So I have 20 athletes in here, guys. I have them stand there. I have them jump with their hands on their hips on a line three times. The five or seven that are quad dominant, I have them start on the glute ham. The others start on the squat. And that's how I separate them. And they cycle through those lifts. And this is on my YouTube page. They cycle through those lifts so they don't cause the negative patterns of doing one now look in an athlete if you know that there's a fatigue level let's say this hamstring this athlete's hamstrings get tired for whatever reason maybe it's a um art 
a vascular inclusion problem, blah, 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 whatever it could be, you might need to do four sets of hamstrings in a row to fix the metabolic problem, right? So but by it, inducing fatigue, that's going to address the issue? Not always. I don't think so. That's So, yeah, 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 that's, yeah, that's, yeah. What, that's where I'm confused. So explain that more. Well, I have a tool called the Moxie, and it's an oxygen. Yeah, we, we had, we had, yeah, we we had the creator on here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And actually, 10, 11, 12 years ago, I actually had the first version. He didn't, I mean, I, I've told him this, but he had a engineering student at the university playing with it. They brought it over to my weight room and I saw the first version, literally the first unit. And I was like, this is good. I like it. And I never heard back from him. Um, long story short. So, but. Well, we'll, if, we'll connect the dots with you if you want. Yeah. Yeah. They've just released an app. Oh, no. I have a know. bunch of them. Yeah, I have oh, them. Yeah. They, they know me now. I've told them. Right. Right. So then anyway, a long story short, um, if that, if the body, if you're fatiguing because your, your veins can't, are, are tightening up and you don't have the ability to return that back to the heart or the uh, lungs, vice versa, then you're going to fatigue. So the fatigability of a certain limb, like I find it very valuable in fixing that problem. Now I have found isometrics fix a lot of the problems. Does that make sense? Because when you go under load for a long duration, like seven, eight seconds, you increase the vascular, like right. pliability. Well, I, so if you're going in ranges of motion that you're unfamiliar with, the isometrics just increase proprioception. They, they increase your awareness in that range of motion. So you're sitting there and you're static yeah, and you're just contracting it and you're recruiting more motor units in that range of motion. That's only going to enhance proprioception. Well, you're, you're also going to increase the blood pressure at a super high level. So what does, what does the blood pressure have to do with the pliability? Uh, of yeah. What, what does it have to do with it? So, with, with, well, they're, they're finding now, even with the handheld devices that people that have high blood pressure, if they just do isometrics in the handheld devices, like they're selling these on TV in this country, that it, it, it helps with your blood pressure. So my- What? Yeah. Why? Because it I think it increases the pliability of the blood pressure, which it does. So, so, I have so practicing Valsalva maneuvers will increase pliability of blood pressure, which no. is, okay. I don't know for sure. Maybe it does. What I'm saying is when you get under a safety bar single leg squat, and hold an isometric, blood pressure shoots up to four and 500. Yes. Right, sure. The entire vascular system becomes more pliable. I have devices that, razor, that measure pulse wave ver, or, uh, velocity. So when your heart, your heart twitches and sends blood through the vein, the pliability of the vein to open up and then collapse behind that that muscle, that blood to keep pushing it through the body becomes more effective. Isometrics solve a lot of those problems. High How, level. Are you doing isometric pushes against immovable objects? So you could almost, that's like a, you know, almost like a survival mode. So your sympathetic system's really kicking in. And could that be the cause of that? Oh yeah. You, Whether it's immovable objects or it's, I use super maximal loading. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, that, my, bro, that, that fucking, that, that, that's, that turns you on. That gets you going. A survival I, mode. I, you don't want to fucking crush under a single leg right. with that. Yeah, yeah, I never understood how you were able to get away with that. My guys. For if, 10 if years. I, yeah, if, if I do super maximal loading, my guys get injured every time. 
How? They, they all get tweaks every fucking time if I do Super Where? Maximal. My pro guys, obviously. Yeah, yeah. But but a, I, I had Hogan, and we were doing Super Maximal loading with... One uh, lift. I only oh, do it on one lift. Uh, split squats. Yeah, yeah, with the safety bar. Yeah, so we were doing Bulgarian split squats. Okay. Um, way, way back, and I think he had... I, I don't even know how fucking heavy the dumbbells were, but it was, it was so so long ago. It was you back can't go heavy enough. The, you, see, you say you can't go heavy enough. Hogan got a fucking groin issue that we thought that that manifested as hamstring. So you we did it on a Bulgarian. Well, Cal it does it with the, in a lunge, right? Yeah, yeah. But I mean, yeah. essentially, it's almost the same thing, except it's just mine is pulling the pubic symphysis a little harder. Right. For sure. And I do it. You have to look at my soup. There's a there's a my super my safety bar. I think it's the best lift ever. I call it or for athletes. Um, safety bar split squat on my YouTube page. Um, I, I'll tell you what, and, and look, I haven't had any problems, but I can see how the abductor Magnus, like a lot of times the groin people have to realize that that's the problem. And, uh, anyway, that's, that's a whole nother 10 minutes, but the super maximal loading, holding your breath doing, there it is. That's the one you want to look for. 17,000 views. That's pretty good. I didn't even know that. God, I, I don't even make money off the YouTube page yet, guys. How bad is that? <laughs> That's so fucking bad. How many uh, videos have you uploaded, Cal? Over 3,000. Yeah. Yeah. Some are just short, four, four second, five, but then that one is. So with that one, but I'm telling you, and then look, Mike, and that's actually not even like, that's a bad example. The hip would be more forward on that one. Right? Uh, like, so guys, you'd this, go. So you'd bring that yeah. that front knee over over the foot. Oh, always every every lift I do, the knees are over the toes. The right. hip drops straight down because if you look at somebody accelerating, that's what's happening, sure. guys. The hormonal response on super maximal loading is through the roof. You know what I mean? And my bone density in my athletes are extremely high, and the blood pressure during that lift because at the bottom it explains it in that video. You hold your breath. And when you hold your breath, your blood pressure goes through the roof. The only rule is with my athletes, you can't pass out. <laughs> right? That's the rule. And then, and I could see how you could get some tweaks. But, guys, I, I spend a few weeks getting them ready to do that lift, obviously. You know what I mean? So sure. there's some variables in there. Um, yeah, and you're not doing it once a week for, you know, six weeks on the go, are you? Or... No, it's triphasic, right? So they spend some time getting ready for right. that. And then when they do it, they jump in. We do it twice a week. Um, super maximal. Mike, you're off. Your mic's off. But uh, they they do the eccentric, isometric, then con then concentric, sure. right? Then the concentric's not super maximal, so it's really only four weeks a year super maximal loading. So right. so this is what I do with my guys, and I bro, I fucking love the eccentric component that you. I, I use it with mm -hmm. all my guys. In fact, mm -hmm. I, I said too. this last time. I make every single one of my interns read two books: tri triphasic training and the Charlie Francis mm -hmm. training system. Those are the two books that I make them read. So that's 600 pages worth of fucking reading that they, they need to do before they even step foot in here because yeah. I fucking love the way you break it down so much. I utilize the eccentric component and, and implement it virtually while I go extremely submaximal compared to what you do with the eccentric. But the isometric, I've, I've phased out in some aspects. Um, I, I With certain populations, I bring it back in, but... I do not do super maximal loading with isometric at all because my guys, 
especially Hogan kept getting groin issues. Yeah. I, it was, it, and, and it took us, it took us weeks to figure out that it was groin because, uh, was the adductor magnus is what the third, the fourth, uh, hip, hip extensor. Oh yeah. Is, yeah. is that yep. what it is? It's a, it's yep. a, it's one of the primary but, hip extensors. But buddy, so I look, I, they, they say that shit. But every world-class sprinter you look at has a big you, – you wonder what that inner thigh muscle is? It's that adductor magnus. Yeah. So okay. you're like, well, I don't know if it's the fourth because I'll be I, honest with you. You know what I mean? Like, sure, yes. they say it's the fourth, but I'm going, man, every elite fucking human I've coached has a strong – has one of those yes. that are strong. Yes. Now, so can you like to do any, um, like, isometrics in, like, real stretched positions? They're all stretched, yes. So, like, I mean, even sort of like end range position. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love yeah. that too. I, I see that. I, I love the results. Remodel you guys. Are, yeah, I think you guys are fucking nuts. If I have my guys go to obtuse angles, that's what you're talking about. Obtuse angles, end range, yeah. right? Yeah. They all, every single one of them, will get. Uh, sacral iliac issues, like their 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 hip hip dysfunction goes through the fucking roof. I don't know how you guys get yeah. away with it. I, I see with I see that that can be a great way to then they can sort of open up all of their uh, sacroiliac stuff after they've done such a thing. So if you take such like a like a front split, not with their legs completely straight, and you get them open up to their own range, squeezing the floor for sort of ten seconds, big yeah. inhale exhale open up to their next range so sort of this uh, the reciprocal inhibition stuff that you do on the table mike but you get them to do it by himself so that they work through it and you make sure that their hips are they're not sort of opening up you get them to do that that opens up their hip flexors and hamstrings so well you get them to do such a like a basic thoracic spine rotation a lot of the time they'll manipulate their own uh, sacroiliac himself i see i'm so conservative with that that i i look at it as if they're fucking just putting pressure on the joint capsule and and the ligaments, they're not necessarily hitting the musculature or the fascia at that point. Cal, what what do you say? Since I only do four isometric workouts a day at, at, at a time, right? Like I, I don't know. I mean, I haven't seen anything. And look, my guys are young, most of them. But yet I have 28-year-old pros that are doing it. Um, four weeks a year, they know they got to go heavy. Um, I haven't seen too much. But look, I like they go to a guy to make sure their hips are aligned. Like there's a lot of variables there. Um, if they're sympathetic driven, uh, if people want to look up bowling ball syndrome, it, it'll literally. So if you're sympathetic driven too, you have to realize if somebody takes a bat and swings at you, you're going to protect yourself like this. What I just did is I, I ro rolled this shoulder forward. I rotated this hip. If you want to look up bowling ball syndrome, this is why your hips become un, uh, like screwed up because if you're sympathetic driven, if you're stressed all the time, your hips will naturally turn. This is a natural position for them when you're stressed. It's the same as someone hitting you with a stick where you're, you're going to protect yourself. And I find that that hip rotates and it depends on what change you are, which hip rotates down. It's crazy. So if you have that problem and things aren't aligned correctly, for sure, I, I think there can be issues. Um, but, but Mike, you don't know what they did all season. You don't know before they come in to see you, right? You don't always know where they're at. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, all my kids, they, they, they'll get, including my pros, uh, they'll have workouts and stuff outside of what I do. However, I mean, with, with a guy like Hogan or McCordy or, or Kevin yeah. Love, these guys will all spend 
time on the table before we we do anything and even then i don't know it's with the the supermax and and you know i'm not going to disagree with uh dr yeses while he's on the podcast but i mean he does super maximal work constantly and i just he does i i I didn't know that well not i I shouldn't say constantly he's not afraid to do super maximal eccentric work where guys are going and it's not a controlled tempo like he'll do 120 percent plus right is that what he said, Brooker? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And they'll go fucking down, and then he'll just unload them. Yeah. Oh. Wow. And he says he says he wants the eccentric to be fucking quick, where yours possible. is time under tension. And I agree with the time under tension. But yeah, again, two different purposes. Two different purposes. Hundred percent. But again, super maximal to me. I think you guys are fucking nuts. I, I, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, yeah I am. I am. I'm fucking nuts. <laughs> like, you know that. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't get away with that with my athletes. I see too much instant negative feedback for me to say, well, let's test the resilience on this and see if it actually goes up. Because to me, my guys are already, my guys are already making millions. It's not, the yeah. juice isn't worth the squeeze at this point. No, no. And that's the art of coaching, right? You just got to figure it out. Well, fuck Cal. <laughs> There's no answer. There's no definitive answer. You know what I mean? There is no definitive answer on this. That's the beauty of our field. Yep. Right? The the <laughs> art of coaching, man. The art of this. It's a fucking it's science, but it's art too. I agree. And I think as time goes on, it gets more and more art, especially if you want to separate yourself from what everybody else is doing. Well, that's you- just miles and experience, right? Did you ever see the lecture by David Deutsch, the the science of beauty? Hmm. You ever hear no, of the fit? You, you know his the, book at the beginning of uh, Infinity is pretty fucking heavy and good, bro. It's exhausting listening to this motherfucker. I have yeah, to. He's so poor. <laughs> oh my gosh! But but I listened to it and then I re-listened to it and then I re-listened to it. I, I I've probably listened to his same lectures ten times, and I I slowly start to figure out what this fucking guy is saying. But I mean. Everything, like even, even so, I'm what I'm getting to is the art of coaching is still a science. We just describe it as art because there's things that we're quantifying that we can't express, right? Right? Like, you know, when you see a guy and you're like, hey, cut it there, and like, no, I got one more in me, like, yeah, no, no. cut it there. You know what I mean? Like, you I know, yeah, you know, that's a science because we've uh. seen, we've seen enough data, we've. Uh. we've it, it, that's a science uh, bro but that's that's years of your experience fucking making that cut but it, like i get it science but it's uh, yeah it's so hard i i disagree with you i think it's more art than science it's both but like bro if it was science any jackass would be able to make that cut and not every jackass can make the cut at the right time yeah uh, yes however if that jackass has enough uh enough data to could process it, it is learnable and i've eh, had this i've yeah. had this discussion with uh, hey take with- your shirt off and we'll talk about it more because <laughs> 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 my pants have been off the whole time <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have to fucking Uber home, guys. <laughs> yeah. Bro, I, I, I fucking, I, bro. I think I'm on my fucking third or fourth glass of 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 two plus fingers. Like I'm fucking mm-hmm. hammered right now. This is too bad. <laughs> yeah. 
let's fucking end it here. Let's, <laughs> let's only get a good south. <laughs> yeah. I'm ending it right now. I'm ending it right now. Oh, I love